MRN's Classic Races are brought to you by Hercules Tires. The Motor Racing Network presents the NASCAR Winston Cup Series. Today, the Vanscoy 500 from the Pocono International Raceway. Sponsored by Anheuser-Busch, Brewers of Bush Beer, Head for the Mountains of Bush by STP Corporation. Depend on proven performance. STP, your car care company. By Piedmont Airlines, the up and coming airline. By Skoll Moist Smokeless Tobacco. A bench is all it takes. By Pontiac. At Pontiac, we build excitement. By Wrangler Brand, live it to the limit in Wrangler. By Levi Garrett Chewing Tobacco. Time after time, the quality comes through. By Timex Watches, the official timekeeper of NASCAR. By Union Oil Company, the winning spirit rides with you every time. And by Ocean's Eleven Resorts on beautiful Daytona Beach. We're at Pocono, ready to go in the Vanscoy Diamond Mine 500. It's going to be a good one here this afternoon to familiarize you with the voices who will be covering the action around the speedway. Quickly, let's go up to turn one and Eli Gold. This is the most steeply banked turn of the three here, Barney. 14 degrees, but the radius is only 675 feet. It makes it like a high-speed hairpin turn, and the cars will habitually go through here single file, and they'll run as low to the inside of the racetrack as they possibly can. After they come off turn one, they'll look at the long pond straight away some 3,000 feet long. It's a unique racetrack. It has three turns. You won't hear us talking about turn four to cover the action in what we call the tunnel turn and turn two. Let's go to Mark Garrow. The long pond straight away as long as the back stretch at Daytona. They go into turn two, slightly different degree of baking, eight degrees. Very key turn here. They have to get off here. Good to get down that very short straight heading for turn three. Dave Sutherland will cover the action up in turn three. That is a very critical corner to put the cars back into the front straight away, and you have to get off that turn extremely well. Let's go to Dave. Over here in turn three, you'll find six degrees of banking in the widest radius in the turn. This turn might as well just be flat at the speeds these cars are traveling. When you come... When you come out of this turn, you want to be right on the money. If you get out of the groove at all, someone's going to go by, and you'll lose your shot at getting a good run down that long straightaway. One of the strongest fields to qualify here at Pocono in a great number of years. You heard from Ned Jarrett, the two-time Winston Cup champion, who will be doing part of the pit action here this afternoon, and a driver, Dick Brooks, who would like to be out there strapped in one of these machines. At least I think he would. Is going to also work with Ned in the garage area and in the pits today. Let's go down to Dick Brooks for his thoughts as they get ready to go in the Vanscoy 500. Barney, I'm standing right on top of a triple-decker tower here that they just built uh, last year or so in the, in the infield and uh, got an awful good view from here. Never really seen it from up here before, the racetrack this away. I've always been uh, trying to sit down in the middle of it someplace. Uh, they were set to go. They uh, turned off the caution lights on the car, and then uh, I just talked to uh, Billy France Jr., and he said that they found a screwdriver laying in the racetrack down in turn one, so they give them one more lap to go. The reason the caution lights come back on, so... Sure glad to be a part of this today, and uh, hope I can help out a bit. Dick will be talking with some of the drivers and the crew chiefs here this afternoon as the action unfolds in the Vanscoy 500. As we told you, this is totally a unique racetrack. The drivers used to kind of dread coming up here, but I think in recent years, where they really enjoy it because it is quite a challenge. It is three turns, three distinct turns. The track shaped almost like a triangle. In one sense, it has the widest front straightaway and perhaps one of the longest on the circuit, Mike Joy. They can run literally run five wide in this front stretch if they want to. The straightaway here is about 100 feet wide, Barney. They can get five or even six cars abreast if they so choose, and it's 3,700 feet long. It is the longest straight, even longer than Talladega. 
And we saw Neil Bonnet when he won a race here a few years ago, uh, 1980. He'd come off the turn three real high, cut down to the inside, and he'd weave all the way down the front straightaway trying to kick the draft. But it's definitely it's a good place to pass if you've got the horsepower and you have a lot of choices to make. We'll talk to some of the drivers about that. Do you gear your car to come off turn three strong and then run out of RPMs halfway down the straightaway? Or do you give up a little coming out of that corner so you've got the pull down the straightaway to pass in turn one? A lot of different thoughts on that. It's always a guessing game when they come to Pocono. Field is just heading up to turn three. The lights on the caution car are still on. Now they go off. No, there's back on again. So we may see another lap under caution. We'll find out as they work up to Dave Sutherland. As they come by us, we've got 40 of the prettiest-looking NASCAR Grand National race cars ready to go. They're strapped in and beginning to cinch up behind the pace car. Now that beautiful Pontiac Trans Am pace car. And they'll come wheeling down through this Lakesley Boulevard, the short chute that's 1,800 feet long here, probably in another lap. We've talked about what kind of racetrack this is. Do you approach it? It has three different turns of different radius and different bankings, three different straightaways. Well, Benny Parsons, what kind of track is this? Do you drive it like a short track, like a super speedway, or like a road course? You know, Mike, I, I hadn't really, I've never heard that, but I think it's a combination of the three. Uh, the chassis is set up a great deal like a short track. Uh, I think that a North Wilkesboro-Richmond setup work is pretty close to what works at Pocono. Uh, the racetrack has three distinct corners, a little like a road course, and at the end of the, the long straightaway, you're running 170, 180 miles an hour, which is plenty fast. Here is the pace car moving into the front straightaway. He'll be diving onto pit road. Tommy Van Scoy will put the field under green here this afternoon. And one car diving onto pit road is Lake Speed with a little smoke out of it as we're green and underway in the Van Scoy 500. Bill Elliott and Harry Gant go at it, heading for turn one. Elliott gets the measure as they move into the corner. This front straightaway, nine-tenths of a mile. Elliott takes him way to the outside while Bodine tries and does pick up two positions going to the inside groove. Off turn one, Elliott leads, Gant to second, Bodine to third, Waltrip is fourth, Neil Bonnet fifth, Dale Earnhardt sixth, seventh is Terry Levante. Top three cars peel off turn number one. One single file and the rest of the pack a mad scramble. Here's Neil Bonnet now with Dale Earnhardt going after Jeff Bodine. They're battling for fourth along with Darrell Waltrip. They head into the tunnel turn. Behind Earnhardt is Terry Labonte, Bonnet, and Ricky Rudd. Bill Elliott leads them down the short shoot. He's got some challenge from Harry Gant as Gant looks to the inside then cuts back in line. Coming up the inside, it's going to be Darrell Waltrip trying to make room around Bodine. He cannot do it. Walter Off the turn, it'll be Bill Elliott, your leader. Elliott by two car lengths. He's the pole sitter by 13 hundredths of a second. Looks like he'll lead the first lap. Single file, they're strung out. Gant is second. Bodine is third. Fourth is Waltrip. Fifth is Earnhardt. Sixth is Labonte. Seventh is Bonnet. Rudd is eighth. Phil Parsons is ninth. Tenth is Ron Bouchard. Eleventh is Tim Richmond as they go to turn one. Jeff Bodine is the man who pulls out in turn one. He'll go inside of Harry Gant to take over second spot. Bodine now trying to hold on to the inside of the racetrack, not letting Gant by. Further back, there's a bit of a problem on car number 55. Benny Parsons being passed by others off turn one. Bill Elliott snaking down the back straightaway now, trying to break the draft of the cars behind him. Can't do it. Everybody single file except Neil Bonnet. He goes to the inside of Neil Bonnet. Can't do it in that battle for the fifth position. They head out of the tunnel turn, led by Elliott by three car lengths. The field snakes out of the turn and slithers down the short chute, and Elliott still running up front. Bodine trying to close in. He's got Harry Gant drafting with him. They're going to try to run down Elliott as the rest of the field strings out single file all the way back down to turn two. There's about 15 cars in that lead draft as they work out of turn number three and back in the long straightaway their single file back through at least the top 18 with Elliott the leader Bodine riding second Gantt still third Waltrip's fourth fifth is Earnhardt sixth is Labonte a moment ago on pit road the nationwide car 
of Lake Speed. Spent a great deal of time on pit road. Let's go to Ned Jarrett for an update on that. Well, apparently Ned is making his way up there. Perhaps Dick Brooks had a good observation of what they were doing on the car. Well, I couldn't tell for sure, uh, Barney. They were just uh, trying to do something under to stop an oil leak, it appeared. But uh, I don't know for sure what it was. I'll check it. Meanwhile, Roddy Thomas's car has driven just one lap here today and gone to the garage area. Leaders at turn two. Dale Earnhardt is off the pace. Neil Bonnet, Terry Labonte, and Ron Bouchard go by. Smoking heavily, the Wrangler Chevrolet now trying to get under control. Apparently, oil on the back tires for Earnhardt. He does a good job of grabbing control of that Wrangler Chevrolet, but everybody's going by, and the afternoon appears over for Dale Earnhardt. Earnhardt cuts it down to the track. Everybody else coming up, making a high approach into turn three. Earnhardt off the pace and down inside as even the back markers now slide by the Wrangler Chevrolet. Leaders at the start-finish line at Elliott. Bodine's now up to second. He wants to put on a good showing for his hometown and longtime fans. Gant rides third. Waltrip is fourth. Neil Bonnet has the fifth spot. Labonte is sixth to turn one. But it's Jeff Bodine who tries to outdive. Elliott at a turn number one can't do it. He's staying there in second spot behind Levante, who is running sixth. Bouchard is seventh. Ricky Rudd is eighth. Now in the ninth spot is Benny Parsons, or at least Phil Parsons, correct myself. Seventh spot is Bobby Allison. All those cars line up against this retaining wall, heading down into turn number two. Now diving low to the inside of the racetrack. Bodine still pressuring Bill Elliott. Top four cars are broken away by five car lengths from Neil Bonnet. Bodine really putting the pressure on the Bill Elliott now as they come down the short chute. Bodine right in behind Elliott with Gant on his bumper. Here's Waltrip looking to the inside again. He can't get position. He won't be able to take it. Elliott holds on. Front four linked up in a tight draft as they work out of turn number three and back into the long straightaway. This is where most of the passing will come. And here comes Bodine. He took a look on the outside, then tucks right back behind in Bill Elliott like he was going to go to the inside as he shuts him down. The front four still wired together. Here's Terry Labonte going for fifth position as they hit turn one. Labonte will move to the inside of Neil Bonnet at the drag race into turn number one. And Labonte will take the inside groove and grab the spot away. Neil Bonnet, though, tries to pass him right back. Labonte's Piedmont Airlines Chevrolet manages to cover the inside groove, so he'll lead Bonnet off the first corner. They line up single file. The top four cars have broken away by some four or five car lengths. Now does Terry Labonte trying to tow the train to try to catch them back up. Neil Bonnet is behind him trying to reel them in as Ron Bouchard, Ricky Rudd, and Phil Parsons. They work out of a tunnel turn. The rest of the field plays catch-up while Bill Elliott leads Jeff Bodine. Here's Waltrip now looking to the inside of Harry Gant. Tries to find room inside there. Can't do it. Falls back in line, and Elliott will continue on top. Running in fifth is Bot Labonte, followed by Bonnet and Bouchard. Front four are still locked together. A moment ago, Bodine tried to get around Elliott. Coming out of the corner, couldn't do it. Now he drops a couple of car lengths back. It's about two more back to Harry Gann, and then a car link back to Darrell Walter as they work back to turn one. From the Pocono International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Enjoy. Thanks. E order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. No change in the front four. It is still Bill Elliott in the lead. Bodine rides second, Gantz third, and Waltrip is fourth. Earnhardt has taken the Wrangler machine to the garage area, and a moment ago on pit road, a long pit stop for Lake Speed. Dick Brooks well, can Marty, update us on that. For Dale Earnhardt in the Wrangler Chevrolet, was it the engine, Dale? Yeah, something happened with it again. I don't, 
you know, our luck ain't been too good lately with engines, but, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get it straightened out sometime. You told me this morning before the race that you were not feeling too well. Well, I had operation on my jawbone uh, Tuesday, and I've been under the weather a little, but uh, I was up for the race, and the car was working good, and, you know, we qualified pretty good. Uh, you know, I just don't understand. We've done everything in the world we can to, to make these engines the best we can, and uh, everybody's working real hard, and, uh, you know, if, uh, a little bit of luck, maybe we'll get it straightened out. Okay, tough day here for Dale Earnhardt. Dick Brooks has a report on the Nationwide Pontiac Lake Speed. Well, they had a, uh, for some reason or other, they had drained, changed the vent on the dry sump system. Uh, generally, you would do that at a place like Riverside, but here, I don't know why you would change the vent on it, but they did for some reason or another, and it didn't work, and it was pumping oil out into the, into the, uh, on the header system. Lake Speed is back on the racetrack, but he is far, far behind, but luckily it happened in the early going, so he has plenty of time to get caught up here. We're seven laps into the Vanscoy 500. Bill Elliott continues to lead as they take them over the tunnel turn. Bodine is second, Gant is third, and Waltrip is fourth. And for Bodine, it looks like it's the best he has ever run here. He's running after Elliott in turn three. He's got him on the inside. Here's Jeff Bodine. Bodine fighting for the lead on the inside of three. He'll squeeze underneath Elliott. They'll run door handle to door handle as they exit three and head for that long, long straightaway. Good racing out of the corner, back into the front straightaway, and that's Bodine's cup of tea. That's like a short track turn. He is still there, door to door, dead heat at the line. It would be Elliott by about a foot, and here goes Harry Gant. They're three wide in turn one. And that's how they come charging towards the corner. Still three wide. Gant inside, then Bodine and Elliott. Elliott backs out of the picture. Waltrip goes by him. Elliott is fourth as Gant takes the lead in the Vance Toy 500. Bodine holding second. Waltrip third. Elliott fourth. Then 12 car lengths back to Labonte in fifth. Bouchard in sixth. Neil Bonnet seventh. Jeff Bodine is not content to lie in that number two spot very long. He jumps to the inside. Darrell Waltrip drafting with him. Waltrip now almost makes it three wide, but Bodine sneaks by. Waltrip side by side with Gant. They touch fenders as Waltrip went down into the grass. They're side by side as they come out of the tunnel turn. Racing down the Blakesley Boulevard is going to be Waltrip on the inside, fighting for second with Gant. Your leader is Jeff Bodine. Waltrip second on the inside. Gant third on the outside. Elliott going fourth. He's going to try to get underneath Gant coming off the third turn. Can't do it in their single file for Bodine. It's the best he's ever run here at Pocono? Uh, no, it's not an illusion. It's the best we've run here at Pocono in quite a, quite a while. I think the best I've ever qualified here. And I believe it's the best we've uh, run here in practice. Uh, last year with this same team, we had a lot of problems, engine problems and brake problems when we came here. This was the worst track for us last season. Uh, we're, we're trying to turn that around and make it maybe the best track for us. You know, we come back here in the North Country, and we know there's a lot of people down here watching, friends and race fans from the past, and we want to put a good show on for them. Last year, we disappointed them, disappointed ourselves. Uh, we hope this weekend we can turn all that around. He's putting a show on for them right now. Bodine has the lead. Waltrip is second. Gad is third. Elliott's fourth. Let's go to Dick Brooks. I'm standing in the garage area with Ronnie Thomas, and... Uh, he also had a short day today. What happened to it, Ronnie? Uh, we burned our piston, Dick. Yeah, just, you know, we've had a lot of problems since we've been here, and it's, you know, just one of those things. We'll be back. But I want to take just a second here to thank Wilder's Bolts and Nuts, Aztec Rental Communications Equipment, Falls Radiator, and J&M Glass. They've really been sticking with me, and I appreciate it. And we'll let everybody know we'll be back. Yeah, he, he had a whole list of, of names there, just like reading a book, but that's good. 
Those, right, sponsors, those sponsors are so important to an independent driver like Ronnie Thomas. Still a good battle going on for the lead. Bodine pulls him off turn number one and heads down the long pond straight away to the tunnel turn number two. They're lined up single file. Jeff Bodine, the leader on that point parade as they head halfway down. Now that back straightaway. Behind them, a heck of a tussle going on for the 10th spot. Six drivers battling back there. Benny Parsons, Bobby Allison, Richard Petty, Cale Yarbrough, Joe Rutman, Tim Richmond. They've been going at it hammer and tongue over the last five or ten laps. Parsons can hold the spot now. They're closing in on Ricky Rudd and Phil Parsons. While that battle goes on, Bodine continues to lead the field, and Terry Labonte, running in the fifth spot, is closing in on the lead quartet right up onto Elliott's bumper as they come off the third turn. Bodine has the lead by about two car lengths. Waltrip is there. Elliott is catching the draft off Harry Gant, and it's about six car lengths back to the fifth-place car of Terry Labonte. Rod Bouchard holding his own. Strong run for Bouchard. He's the sixth-place car. Seventh is Neil Bonnet. Eighth is Phil Parsons. Ninth, Ricky Rudd. Tenth, Benny Parsons, 11th for Bobby Allison and 12th for Cale Yarbrough, then it's Joe Rutman, Richard Petty, and Tim Richmond to turn one. That's how they are, 1 through 15, holding down the 16th spot. Well, it's a battle now. Rusty Wallace has 16th, but Buddy Baker going into turn number one goes beneath him. So Baker now is 16th, Rusty Wallace 17th, Kyle Petty is 18th, 19th is Dave Marcus as the field works down towards the tunnel. Jeff Bodine's Levi Garrett Chevrolet continues to show the way as they dive very low, almost down into the grass to the tunnel turn. Walter is there battling at his back bumper. Walter trying to close on the Bodine bumper. Bodine holding a good firm line, takes it way high up near the wall and then dives down to the grassy area. He's two car lengths ahead of Walter. Gant goes third, Elliott fourth, and now Labonte is in that quartet of cars. He makes it a quintet and runs fifth. Labonte may be one of the quickest cars on the speedway as he is coming up through traffic in a hurry and has caught the tail end of that draft, that four-car draft. And in fourth position is Bill Elliott being kicked all the way back there. But Labonte is going to make a charge up through that pack. He catches him down at turn one. And if you have the horses, this one-mile-long front straightaway will allow you to just keep on trucking. And Labonte is merely two car lanes back behind fourth place Bill Elliott. Everybody getting through turn one very well. Well, the left side tires in the grass all the way that low off the banking. Well, they've got some slow traffic to contend themselves with now. The Chrysler of Phil Good lies up ahead. Also, Steve Gray, they work on that Chevrolet and Good's Chrysler go into the tunnel turn. Bodine's Levi Garrett Chevrolet showing the way up and around that slower traffic followed by Waltrip, Gant, and Elliott. Bodine gets around Phil Good. He'll be closing in on Steve Gray as they come down the short chute. He'll use Gray as a pick as he sets up and comes into turn three. Gray takes it down to the apron on the grass, and Bodine will lead the quartet of cars behind him off the turn as Jeff, now Ron Bouchard, tries to gather it in and place close in in sixth place. 13 laps complete, 32 and a half miles at Pocono International Raceway. Bodine has a four-car length lead on Waltrip, Gant, Elliott, and Labonte. Ron Bouchard in sixth. Neil Bonnet still seventh. Phil Parsons eighth. Rudd is ninth, Benny is 10th, 11th is Kale, 12th Bobby Allison, then it's Joe Rutman, Tim Richmond has passed Richard Petty for 14th spot, and behind them, Buddy Baker, Rusty Wallace, Kyle Petty, and Dave Marcus. Then it's Bobby Hillen and the Greg Sachs Automobile rounding out the top 20, just ahead of Lenny Pond and Ken Schrader. Wherever you drive, wherever you go, Hercules Tires has the value, selection, and industry-leading warranty to get you there no matter where the road takes you. You can count on Hercules Tires to have your back when times are tough, all while adding money to your pocket. The purchase of four qualifying Hercules Tires through May 31st, 2020 could get you up to a $70 Visa prepaid card. Visit HerculesTire.com slash spring rebate to learn more. That's HerculesTire.com. Hercules Tires, ride on our strength. 
Back at Pocono International Raceway for the running of the Vance Coy 500. 15 laps into it, Jeff Bodine has jumped out to a lead, and nobody's been able to head him off going around the racetrack. Those front five are locked together as they work back to turn three and into the long straightaway. It's Bodine leading Darrell Waltrip, then Bill Elliott. Right behind him is Harry Gannon back in that fifth spot, and coming up strong, he's able to catch the tail end of the draft, hasn't been able to get any further, is the 44 car of Terry Labonte, the Piedmont Airlines machine. Single file, they're back in the front stretch. Labonte is probably the fastest car on the racetrack right now, Barney. He's caught Harry Gant. One time when Elliott had the lead, he dipped down to the inside in the front stretch, and that rule that Waltrip applied at Charlotte draft anything that moves, that's what's been working here in the front straightaway. They're in turn one. And here in turn one, you can already see which cars have decided to set up for this corner and which ones have decided to set up for up two of the other corners here on the racetrack and kind of muscle their way through here in the corner. The front five cars, you can really see the drivers straining the wheel to keep it low on the racetrack through turn one. They're obviously set up for turn three, the flat turn. Peters working by Bobby Wawak now as they put a lap on his car. They may not be battling for the top spot, but that battle raging for the 16th spot continues to be a great one. Buddy Baker, Rusty Wallace, and Kyle Petty have been going at it like this is the last lap, and they're going for all the marbles as they work down the tunnel turn as the leaders move to turn three. Leaders out of turn three, headed back for the start-finish line. This will be Bodine in front, Waltrip in second. Elliott's back up to third, and Gant is feeling the challenge from Terry Labonte. Labonte has put a move on him a couple of times going into the corner. He tried to get underneath him down in turn one. The last time around takes a look there again as they sweep back into the number one corner. Ned Jarrett, who's been in and out of the garage here this afternoon. Ned, they'll run that first pit stop probably a little bit short, won't they? Yes, they will, Barney. They'll want to check out the gas mileage because this is one racetrack you don't want to run out of gas, say, going into turn one because it's just about impossible to coast back around because of the design of the racetrack. Right now, we're standing in K.O. Yarborough's pits. they got a problem. Something has hit the windshield and has knocked a pretty good hole in it. They've gone down into the garage area to their truck and has brought a new windshield up here. Of course, they're hoping for a caution to be able to change that. It's not getting any worse right at the moment, but they're keeping their eye on it. It has been such a frustrating season for Cale Yarborough. They've had more than their share of engine problems. The Elliott Ford has been the dominant car as Terry Labonte moves up into fourth position, getting under Harry Gant coming into turn three and sweeping back into the straightaway. But Cale Yarborough's problems have been quite a multitude of them this year. Yarborough told me yesterday that he's well aware of how frustrating the year has been, but they are certainly not about to give up. Well, yeah, it's, uh, it's been pretty tough so far this year, Barney, but, you know, we aren't going to give up on it. We can, uh, we can handle it. We've had our problems, but... Kale is three wide right now as they work down into turn number one. And he has the inside of that three-way battle. They'll leave Neil Bonnet in the smoke. The other car is Ricky Rudd. So for the moment, Yarborough and Rudd, a couple of Fords battling for that position. They're in 11th. Yarborough wins the battle coming off turn one. Ricky Rudd will settle in behind Kale and then Neil Bonnet's Chevrolet. Neil Bonnet now looks to the inside but drops back in behind Ricky Rudd's motorcraft Ford. Neil Bonnet's car already showing some battle scars. The right front of that car has been pushed in. Apparently in the early going when traffic was heavy, he could punch the front end of that Budweiser Chevrolet in. They work out of the tunnel turn. Those three cars trying to run down Benny Parsons' automobile as they come down the short chute, battling back behind your leaders. Here's Cale Yarbrough. You can see a little bit of a hole in the glass. Not too bad from here, but right smack in the middle of his windshield as they move up behind the slower car of Bobby Wawak and exit turn three. Bodine's the leader. He's probably the most motivated driver here today. He's got a lot of his hometown fans, as he told you at the top of the broadcast, that are here to see him. They've not won this year. They need a victory, and he's in turn one. And he's also got some traffic to contend with because they're two by two in front of him 
give Mike Potter to the inside of J.D. McDuffie. So Bodine, Waltrip, Elliott, and everybody else gets on the binders. And off the corner, Waltrip trying to make a run at it. They dispose of those two or slower cars, but they got four other problems up ahead. Slower cars, Phil Good is there, along with Bobby Gerhardt, as they now, the leaders, work into turn number two. Those cars, the slower ones, up ahead by some ten car lengths. Here's Waltrip to the inside of Bodine, out of turn two. Waltrip drifts it out right alongside. Bodine has to fall back in line because of the slower car ahead of him, the Phil Good share Chrysler. Here's Bodine. He's got three lap cars coming up as they work to the outside of turn three around the car of Steve Gray, and they'll be approaching the Bobby Gerhardt cars. They hit the shoot. This is where they talk about handling is so critical at this particular racetrack. You catch traffic in these corners. They're practically flat, particularly up in turn number three, and you have to go around them on the outside. If the car is not working well, you're going to lose an awful lot of ground. But a good scramble going on with Cale Yarborough back in the field for ninth position as there was quite a tussle going on between himself and Ricky Rudd. As they came out of turn number two just a moment ago, Cale gets that spot and has broken the draft as he works to turn one. Ahead of Cale Yarborough, as I'm eight car lanes, is Benny Parsons. And then after Cale, you've got Ricky Rudd, Neil Bonnet, and closing from the rear flank now is Joe Rutman, who is closer to that three-way battle than he has been for most of the afternoon. A bit for the lead. Darrell Wattrell drops down to the inside of Jeff Bodine. Got no drafting help at all from Bill Elliott, so he drops back in the line. They now swing around Eddie Bershwell as they come out of turn two. It'll still be Bodine holding on. He's been running strong so far this afternoon, and it's still Jeff Bodine. Waltrip looks to the inside. No room there. Bodine will cut down and shut the door. Elliott goes third. Fourth right now is Labonte, and drifting back in fifth is Harry Gant. One key to Bodine's success on this racetrack is he refuses to set his car up for one particular corner. I'm trying to set my car up, and I'm trying to set myself up mentally to, to get through all corners uh, good, not, not just one corner real good. Because I think they're all important. I don't I don't think you can just pick out the third corner and say that's the most important or the, or the tunnel corner. I think they're all important because they all have a straightaway when you exit that corner. And if you don't go through the corner good, you don't go down that straightaway well. And that means you, you'll give uh, your competition an opportunity or a... A place where he can pass you, and and you don't want that. You want to be able to stay in front of whoever's behind you in all spots of this racetrack. Barney, he's not giving anybody any opportunities anywhere. He's running so well, the car is sticking it just about anywhere he wants to put it, and apparently he's done exactly what he said. He's got the car working well all the way around this track, and if you can do that, you're hard to deal with. But this racetrack is pretty much like the others we go to. It's a little different as far as the configuration of it, but it comes and goes for everybody. Your car will be working good for a pit stop. You'll go in, change tires, come back out, or, and you don't think there's anything going to go any different, and suddenly for the next pit stop, you can't even hardly stay in that lead draft. But for Bodine, it's all together for him right now with 22 laps complete in the Vanscoy 500. Back at Pocono International Raceway, it's still very much Jeff Bodine, Darrell Waltrip, Bill Elliott as they ride around the racetrack, the top three. They have pretty well broken away from the rest of the field as they work traffic around here. We'll take you back through the field a little bit. It is Bodine, the leader, Waltrip second, Elliott rides third, Terry Labonte is fourth, fifth is Harry Gant, sixth, and running all by himself on the racetrack with nobody to draft on right now is Ron Bouchard. Phil Parsons posted seventh. The eighth position is Benny Parsons. Ninth is Neil Bonnet. And tenth, good run here this afternoon for the Folgers coffee car of Joe Rutman. That's the top ten. Leaders are just heading for turn three. Jeff Bodine leading away has begun to pull about six or seven car lengths away from second place Darrell Waltrip. Elliott goes third. Then it's back about ten or twelve, maybe even fifteen car lengths to Terry Labonte, who's all by himself now. 
Front three have definitely broken away from the field. Here comes Bodine to the start-finish stripe. Waltrip in second, Elliott in third, and back to fourth place Terry Labonte. It's 1.7 seconds. Harry Gant, it's about another second and a half or two. Back to Harry Gant, the fifth-place car. Bouchard's by himself. So is Phil Parsons. So is Cale Yarborough. Ricky Rudd tows along a draft that consists of Benny Parsons, Tim Richmond, Neil Bonnet, and Joe Rutman. Then it's a long way back to Richard Petty and Bobby Allison. They fill the length of the front straightaway with Buddy Baker, Kyle Petty, Rusty Wallace, and Dave Marcus bringing up the parade. Let's go to Pitt Road. Let's go to turn one. Right now the field working through the corner. Richard Petty and Bobby Allison just going by us, running in 15th and 16th positions. And at least for the time being, they'd probably just as soon be somewhere else because both of those guys getting their cars sideways going into turn number one each time by as they are struggling to make their way up through traffic. Ricky Rudd leading Benny Parsons and Tim Richmond out of turn number two. That's a pretty good four-car battle as Neil Bonnet tags along there battling for the top ten spot. And now the leaders work down again into turn three. As they come down into turn three, you can find Benny Parsons and Tim Richmond well ways ahead now of Neil Bonnet. And then going back down the short shoot, here's Richard Petty. He's really set up for this turn nicely, so he sets it around the turn and comes out hard. We've got one other car slowing up, coming by us. It looks to be the Folgers car. That's Joe Rutman out of power as he goes through turn three. And they had such high hopes of even winning this race here this afternoon. They put in a special effort. Car owner T.G. Shepard is here, along with quite a few of the folks in Folgers Coffee, and they had hoped that Joe would run well. He likes this racetrack, and it had been getting around very well in practice. In fact, they were one of the fastest cars in the final practice session here this afternoon. Ned Jarrett will be on top of that story, whether he's going to take the car to the garage or whether maybe it's something minor they can fix and get him back in. We'll find out in a moment. 27 laps are in the Van Scoy 500 here at Pocono International Raceway. Leaders heading up for turn three. Out of turn three, it'll be Jeff Bodine leading Darrell Waltrip, who's close to margin, rides on his bumper now. Right behind them, Bill Elliott, well back now is Terry Labonte. Leaders come past the start-finish stripe. Rutman will not go to the garage. He'll get assistance on pit road. J.D. McDuffie makes the first of what may be scheduled pit stops. A little bit early here, but we're at the 30-lap mark. That'll be 75 miles. McDuffie will be in for gas as the leaders go to turn one. This two-and-a-half-mile racetrack, the leaders again through the number one corner, and again as low on the racetrack as possible. Once more, Waltrip puts the left side tires in the grass, and he tries to take a run at Bodine off the corner. From the bottom of the racetrack, they go up to the high side, right up against the concrete rotating wall here on the back straightaway. Up against that wall, they now dive into the inside of turn number two. Bodine just inches away as Darrell Walter. Walter trying to look to the inside. He's down on the grass again. They nearly touch as they exit the turn. Walter pressuring Bodine hard from the inside left on the rear, but he can't do it, and Bodine will lead him into the turn. Again, takes a high line in, now cuts it down to the grass. It is still Jeff Bodine by a car lake. Walter able to run through the turn lower, and Elliott lowers still, all down near the grass. Pack Grandstand watching the action here this afternoon of the Vanskoy 500 as they watch the front three get at it as they cross the start-finish line. Bodine is in front by two car lengths, then it's Waltrip right back to the third spot is still Bill Elliott and they are linked tight together. Let's go to Ned Jarrett. They have a dry sump problem with the Folgers coffee machine number four. They're going to push it into the garage area and try to fix it. J.D. McDuffie got gas and got back on the racetrack. Here's Tim Richmond battling Betty Parsons side by side as the leaders come off turn number one and it will be scheduled pit stop time fairly soon. The leaders are headed for turn two. Jeff Woodine, Jelen White, Levi Garrett, Chevrolet continues to show the way. They're closing in on Lake Speed who had that early race trouble. Speed is up there some 20 car lengths away. He's praying for a yellow flag before the leaders can track him down. They exit the turn, out of the tunnel turn, out to the third straightaway. Report is Lake Speed is already one lap down. He's trying to keep from going two down in front of Dave Sutherland. He's running hard to get away but the lead trio is really flying around this oval and right now 
you'll find Jeff Bodine sitting on top, but Waltrip and Elliott are really putting the pressure on, staying right on his bumper. was about 14 seconds from the leader, Jeff Bodine, back to the 10th place car just a moment ago, and at 10th place at that time, Benny Parsons, so they're beginning to stretch it a little bit more. It's a little further than that now as they come down the front straightaway. They've also kicked Terry Labonte out of that four-car draft and dropping him back. He's running all by himself along with Harry Gant. They're back in one. Again, Darrell Waltrip had an idea to make a move to the inside of Jeff Bodine entering turn number one, and now he'll draw alongside again near the left rear of the car, but couldn't make the move coming off the corner. At both the exits of turn one and two, Waltrip's Budweiser Chevrolet seems to be able to get just a little bit farther down on the racetrack than Jeff Bodine, but he can't get by because Bodine's down there far enough where Waltrip just simply does not have the room. Those three linked up nose to tail, exit the tunnel turn again. Once again, they drift off the turn. They come off, they look from, as you look straight down it, like they're coming off sideways, but they're under control. They get up near the wall, then they dive down to the grass again. And Bodine not working the wheel too hard, but Waltrip can really tuck that left front tire right down on the grass on the inside. And Jeffrey makes a pro- makes a mistake. It'll be Darrell going underneath him easily. The car- Marty, another driver to bite the dust here early is Rick Newsom, although he's still sitting in the car. Rick, what's your problem? Uh, we sheared the bolts off the oil pump, man. I think we caught it in time. We're going to put some bolts back in it and crank it up see what kind of oil pressure we've got, and we might get to go back out. Uh, I'd like to thank my sponsor, Cellcam. Uh, it's Phil Selby and uh, Den Campbell. They've done a lot to help me get up here, and hopefully we're going to get this team straightened out and run the rest of the year. Okay, it has an all-do look, green and white colors on that car number 20 this week. Won't be too much longer before we'll see routine pit stops coming up the first of the day, and it looks like they'll go under green. If you just joined our broadcast, we're 31 laps into the Vanscoy 500. No caution thus far. And for the most part, it's been Bill Elliott up front of the early going. Then Jeff Bodine took away the lead, and he's been able to hold on to it ever since. So it's Bodine in front. Waltrip is now second. Elliott rides third. The fourth-place car is Terry Labonte. Back in fifth is Harry Gant. Sixth is Ron Bouchard. Seventh is Phil Parsons. The eighth position being posted is Cale Yarborough. Ninth would be Ricky Rudd. And tenth is Benny Parsons. Lenny Pond and Bobby Gerhardt on pit road. And a miscue for Clark Dwyer. He couldn't find Elmo Langley on pit road. Drove right on through, so he'll have to come around, lose a lot of time, and stop again next time by. Jeff Bodine is now just 10 car lengths behind Lake Speed, trying to put Speed two laps down. If you joined us late, Lake, right on the start, came into pit road to have an oiling problem corrected. He's down in turn one, one lap behind already. The leader's going by J.D. McDuffie, who's driving that Ford Thunderbird, one of his northern cars, sponsored by Lockhart Ford. They go past him and close into within four car lengths of Lake Speed. We've talked a number of times this afternoon about Kyle Petty and his battle with Rusty Wallace and Buddy Baker. It might have gone out the window. Last time out of turn number two, the 7-11 Ford way off the pace as the leader's now working to turn number two, trying to put another lap on Lake's Speed. They're just behind him by a car lane. Lake Speed's going to make it tough as they race down the straightaway. Speed right in front of Benign. Benign comes to the inside. He'll take the low groove. Waltrip will follow him through. Lake will have to go wide. And Jeffrey has to come out just a bit to set up for the turn. He almost had a problem there, but he's getting through all right. A Waltrip right up on his bumper. Looked like he gave him a tap, and now Benign appears to be heading for pit road. Bodine will pit. Ricky Rudd, good stop. 14.3 seconds for Bud Moore and the Motorcraft crew. Kyle Petty is in and out of the pits, and Waltrip leads a lap here. That's worth five Winston Cup bonus points, but it may not last long. Elliott's going after him in one. And as they take the inside, Bill Elliott just can't quite make the move off that long straightaway. Waltrip takes the inside groove, and Elliott will need to follow him through the corner. And for the moment, those two cars have long since left Terry Labonte. He's now a distant third. We'll be right back to Pocono Raceway with 33 laps complete. Here's Ned Jarrett for Bush Beer. Fred Lorenzen was the first Grand National driver to win over $100,000 in a single season. With drivers now winning that much in a race, it doesn't seem like much, but Fred did it 22 years ago in 1963. It took some real smooth driving back then. 
Here's something else that's real smooth, bush beer. Bush always goes down smooth as a mountain stream because it's brewed naturally with only classic American ingredients. So next time you watch NASCAR Smoothest, enjoy the smooth taste of Bush Beer, the official beer of NASCAR. Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Excuse me, miss. Couldn't help noticing your Timex triathlon watch. Yeah, what about it? That's a lot of watch. What's a pretty little lady like you need with a watch like that? I use this water-resistant triathlon at the racetrack. The racetrack? Yeah. It can time and count every single lap. It also gives a cumulative time and memorizes up to eight separate lap times. How about hot laps? Do you like to time those? Only if they're really hot, buster. Look for the triathlon at your local Timex dealer. Only $34.95 suggested retail price. Harry Gant, Phil Parsons, Tim Richmond, Jimmy Means, and Buddy Arrington on pit road as Darrell Waltrip continues to lead Bill Elliott at Pocono International Raceway. This is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Pit stops continue here at Pocono Raceway. Ron Bouchard is in, Rusty Wallace is in, Buddy Baker is pitting his car along with Neil Bonnet. A couple of drivers that are out are standing by in the garage with Ned Jarrett. The attrition rate has been fairly high for the early going here, Barney Hall. We mentioned to Joe Rutman to pull the Folgers coffee machine into the garage area. We thought they were going to fix it, Joe, but you're in street clothes now, so apparently you're not going to. No, Ned, uh, what happened, I think we probably hurt the motor some. There's a, there's a piece on the front of the motor that drives the oil pump called the mandrel, and uh, there's a bolt that holds it on, and obviously the bolt broke, and that piece uh, flew off the motor, and there was nothing to turn the oil pump, so the motor wasn't getting any oil. So our old Folgers machine perked us last little bit for this race, but uh, we were pleased that, uh, you know, that we were running decent, and we thought maybe we could get a chance to work on her, but we just didn't run that far. And Jerry Bowman has had to park his Ford here uh, pretty early. Jerry, what's your problem? I have an engine problem too, Ned. The uh, motor started tightening up, it was running hot, and uh, we decided to park before we tore too much else out. Okay, so those are the drivers, uh, along with others we've already mentioned, in the garage area. Just about everybody now has been on the pit road except Darrell Waltrip and Bill Elliott, and Cale Yarbrough is making his stop in the Hardy's Ford. He does it in 15.15 seconds, and Cale is going back out of the speedway. This is going to split the field up pretty much all the way around the racetrack again. Here's Rusty Wallace on pit road in the Alugard Antifreeze Pontiac, and there won't be too many of the leaders that have not stopped at this point. They're showing Waltrip on the top of the leaderboard, Elliott second. Labonte third, and Cale was fourth just before he came to pit road. Here's Labonte now making his pit stop. The first one of the day as we've been caution-free in the Vanskoy 500. Tuesday night, NASCAR Live airs on most of these MRN stations. Eli Gold is the host, and you can call in toll-free on an 800 toll-free number and ask your questions to the folks that make the news in auto racing. This week, Sam Ard, the veteran sportsman driver and champion out of Asheboro, North Carolina, has announced his retirement from driving. He did attempt uh, one race comeback and won the first race he drove in after his accident at Rockingham last October. But he says lack of a competitive ride has uh, influenced his decision to retire, and he signed on as the team manager for Charlie Luck in the Bush Sportsman Series. You'll be able to talk to Sam Ard and Charlie Luck. They'll be two of Eli's guests this Tuesday night on NASCAR Live. Bobby Allison is making his stop, and he'll be one of the final cars to come onto pit road in that pack of the top 15 and Allison always gets good gas mileage at every racetrack that team has worked on it and they've won some races here by being able to make a little bit longer stop also Darrell Waltrip is yet to come in 37 laps are on the board here is Waltrip in the pits along with Bill Elliott we'll be going to Dick Brooks in just a moment for an update on some of the pit stops that he's been observing from down on pit road as they go to work very quickly now on Bill Elliott's car down on pit road let's go to Ned Barney they're changing right side tires as they have on all the other cars and of course fill them up with the Union 76 gasoline they'll clean his windshield give him a 
cool drink of water and send him back down. Walker's car is down first. They're going to race down pit road. It looks like, well, I don't know. You call it. Who's going to win that race? It's a drag race so far. They're door to door, but I'll say Elliott's going to come out ahead as he really stands on it as they get off the end of pit road and head for turn one. They're still drag racing, but Elliott will get the position. For here's Richard Petty bringing the STP Pontiac onto pit road. This will be a routine stop for him. And for an observation on some of the other pit stops a little early this afternoon, let's go to Dick Brooks. Well, Barney, I'll tell you, I, I haven't seen uh, for sure how long these cars can run. There's some of them going uh, almost 40 laps, and that's 100 miles. So uh, uh, the Chevrolets have done that before, especially Bobby Allison's car. But uh, the number nine car, Bill Elliott, they, uh, that's, uh, that's, it. that's really extraordinary for a Ford. So they got the same. Petty ran 38 laps here, and that is going to be about 96 miles, 40 laps here. Uh, that'll be 95 miles, 38 laps at Pocono International Raceway. It's two and a half miles around. And scoring is picking up Waltrip as the leader. In second spot, Bill Elliott. In third, they're showing Jeff Bodine after these green flag pit stops. We'll double-check that. Terry Labonte is being picked up as the fourth-place car. Now let's shuffle that around because here comes Bodine, then Labonte, Elliott, and Waltrip. That's the way they'll head off down toward turn number one. And Bodine is about five seconds in front of that pack, and they're too wide for second. They're snaking their way down the front straightaway, and for second spot, it's Bill Elliott who will dive inside of Labonte midway through the corner and take over second spot. Bodine's lead is three. Far lanes, Elliott is second. Now Waltrip wants a piece of Labonte. Darrow pulls to Terry's inside in a battle for third. Waltrip got a good run out of the first turn down on the bottom of the racetrack. He's side-by-side side with the Piedmont Airline Chevrolet now as they head down into turn number two. Still, Walter for the advantage on the inside of the racetrack. Pulls in front of Labonte. Now, Labonte pulls in behind him and looks to the inside immediately. They try to swap positions, but Labonte will have to settle for fourth. Bodine leading that quartet. Then it's Elliott, Waltrip, and Labonte as they come into turn three. And Labonte will not have a shot at Waltrip this time, even though he does close in on his bumper as they exit the turn. Those four cars have been locked up here all afternoon, and that's one of the good battles the crowd has been watching here at Pocono. Bodine is still in front. Elliott right behind him, about a car length back. Make it about four car lengths back to Darrell Waltrip in third spot. Right behind him, hanging on to his draft, is Terry Labonte. Body. Riding all by himself, about five seconds back in fifth position, that's Harry Gant. The sixth-place car is just coming out of turn number three and moving back onto the straightaway right now. That should be Ron Bouchard. Phil Parsons would be seventh. The eighth position belongs to Cale Yarbrough. Ninth is Ricky Rudd. Tenth is Tim Richmond, and that would be the top ten. Nineteen cars are on the lead lap here at Pocono. One hundred miles in the Van Scoy 500 are complete. Let's pause ten seconds for station identification. As the leaders go single file toward turn three, we'll chat for just a second with Chip Dwayne, the zone manager for Pontiac Motor Division. And you folks had a real passel of Pontiacs out here. I saw a whole slew of convertibles and a bunch of Fieros and a little fun little slalom run you did this morning. Yeah, we sure did, Mike. We had uh, our New Jersey dealers out here in full force picking up those beautiful Sunbird convertibles. And uh, they took a pace lap, and uh, they're going to bring those cars back to their dealerships uh, tonight and uh, have them for sale tomorrow morning. Well, it's getting to be convertible weather here in the East Coast. Of course, it's been that way down south most of the year. But also, you had a little solemn run this morning, and some of the Grand National Wives got a chance to earn some neat prizes driving your cars. Yeah, we sure did. Uh, I understand uh, Richard's wife won the uh, Van Scoy Diamond. Is that correct? She, uh, Kyle's wife? Yeah, she did a heck of a job in that uh, Fiero GT. I hear she wants one now. Well, Kyle drives a Thunderbird. Maybe you can put Patty back in a Pontiac. I know you want to get back down to the suite and get a look at how your Pontiacs are running out there. 
Richard Petty along with Tim Richmond and uh, the Rusty Wallace car. And, of course, Lake Speed, who's a lap down, but has picked up the pace once again. So thanks for stopping by to chat with us. Good to see you again, Mike. Front four are still tied together. Here they come out of turn number three and back under the long straightaway. It's about six seconds back to Harry Gant, the fifth-place car, and the rest of the field from about fifth on back is pretty well strung out around all the way around this two-and-a-half-mile facility. Front four linked up less than a car length among them, and as they head back to turn number one, Eli Gold, it looks like neither Bill Elliott, Darrell Waltrip, or Terry Labonte can do anything with Jeff Bodine at this point. Nobody's able to make the move on Jeff. He has particular strength going into the corner. He's able to cut down midway through that front straightaway and stay there. Again, Elliott coming off turn one here challenges Bodine, but Jeff just won't give him the running room on the inside. Meanwhile, Harry Gant, he's right there in fifth, but he can't run the low groove through turn one like the front four are. Top four cars nose the tail down the back straightaway. From our vantage point, it looks like one long car. Jeff Bodine leading the way. The other cars just snuck up behind him and hiding behind his back bumpers. They had out of turn two. They'll be coming up on some slower traffic in a moment. Right now, nobody's making a move. It's Jeff Bodine easily in the lead, taking the widest swing out and then down low in the turn is Walter. Walter looks to the outside a little bit, almost gave Terry Labonte some room to come in the inside. Rick Newsom had come back on the speedway, but now brings his machine back to the garage area and making his second pit stop of the day is Steve Gray out of Rome, Georgia. At 40 laps, Bodine the leader, Elliott's second, Waltrip is third, fourth is Labonte, fifth is Gant, sixth Tim Richmond, seventh is Yarborough, eighth is Bonnet, ninth Bobby Allison, in tenth Benny Parsons, uh, showing up in 11th spot, that'll be Richard Petty in the 12th position. Looking at Buddy Baker, 13th to be Dave Marcus, 14th to be Bobby Hillen, and 15th, the Rusty Wallace Automobile. From Pocono International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Here's an update from scoring. Let's recap some of those positions we just gave you. The front five, as we told you, Bodine, Elliott, Waltrip, Labonte, and Gant. Sixth is Ron Bouchard. Seventh is Phil Parsons. Eighth is Lenny Pond having a good run. In ninth, Cale Yarborough. Tenth is Neil Bonnet. Eleventh is Bobby Allison. Twelfth would be the Benny Parsons car. Thirteenth would be Tim Richmond. Fourteenth is Richard Petty. Fifteenth is Buddy Baker. Sixteenth, Dave Marcus. Seventeenth is Bobby Hillen. And the last car on the lead lap in 18th position. That would be the Rusty Wallace automobile. We've been talking along with our turn announcers about how low on the racetrack and actually sticking wheels out in the dirt here at Pocono that most of the front runners seem to do. They go down in the number one corner and they actually hit the flats part of the racetrack and you see a little dust fly up same thing going toward the tunnel turn as they get in there and very much you see it going into turn number three and getting back into the straightaway we asked Darrell Waltrip yesterday why is that so prevalent here at this particular racetrack most tracks you don't want to get down on the flat part of the speedway yeah well that's where the groove is right around the very bottom of the racetrack down under the line down in turn one and uh, basically the same thing coming through turn three tracks track's really slick out of the groove. If you move out very wide, it gets awful loose and uh, you know, a guy will drive in under you. So you got to run very low around the racetrack. And as Eli Gold pointed out a moment ago, the front four were just literally down to the bottom of the speedway. Although it's banked up there fairly steep, Eli, the guys that, unless you come in there trying to pass and have to, you'll see them right at the apron of the track. You know, you really have to use your head in the center of the racetrack because that banking is deceptive. The fans can visualize uh, listening in back home. 18 degrees, or at least 16 degrees, is not all that bad a bank. But you don't really want to use the banking here. If you get up there, you kind of gravitate to the wall and just keep on trucking as the skid marks can well attest. So you've got to use your your, your smarts here in turn number one, or you can get past. But this is certainly not a favorite passing point. Eli Gold, that's the our prime fielder of flying fiberglass down here in turn number one. 
his position just outside that big border plate retaining wall. Jeff Bodine leads them around Pocono International Raceway. He grew up in Chemung, New York, where he started racing go-karts at the age of five on his dad's quarter-mile track. This is the one place he really wants to win on the Winston Cup circuit. You heard him earlier say it was his worst track last year. He wants it to be his best track this year as he laps Bobby Hillen in turn three. He gets underneath Hillen, and he'll take Elliott with him. He's got about three car lengths on Elliott now as they come through the turn. Waltrip is back. Oh, several car lengths. There's two lap cars between him and the second-place car of Elliott. Then Terry Labonte rides fourth. Jeff Bodine is going to catch some traffic as they work back down toward turn one. He'll be running up on Bobby Walwack's car, and that could be a factor for Bill Elliott. He's close enough to make a move for the lead if he gets himself in a position to do so. And Bodine will take everybody to the outside of Walwack around Bill Scott's automobile, and they'll catch up with Steve Gray's car right in the middle of turn number one. So for the moment, Elliott just follows Bodine's tired tracks through, but now Waltrip and Labonte are caught in behind Rusty Wallace and Hillen. They're dropping off a bit. Waltrip and Labonte are trapped in and around five slower cars as Jeff Bodine and Bill Elliott have worked to the outside and gotten by all those cars. Waltrip now trying to get by Rusty Wallace and Bobby Hillen. Those two cars separate him from the lead duo. Waltrip will look to the inside now and try to run up the inside of the short shoot on Wallace. He'll do that. He still has Bobby Hillen just ahead of him. Here's the position with Labonte behind him. They get by Wallace, but Hillen's holding the low groove, and Waltrip's going to have to work some to get by him when they come off the turn. Hillen's entry today, the Spirit of Wyoming Valley Chevrolet, rather unique sponsorship arrangement for him. Well, it's the Spirit of Wyoming Valley uh, for cystic fibrosis. If you donate $25 to the cause, you put your name on the front of the car, you ride it on the hood, and uh, all the charity money goes to cystic fibrosis. Nice gesture on the part of Bobby Hillen and the Stavola Brothers Racing Team. Leaders in one. And as the leaders get by, finally, Waltrip and Labonte just make hard lefts, and they'll sneak in and around Hillen, dispose of both he and Rusty Wallace, and now try and chase down the leaders. The leaders again have slower traffic up ahead. Instead of four or five cars, though, it is just one this lap around. Bobby Gerhardt lies ahead as the leaders work nose to tail in and out of turn two. Some ten car lengths behind is Daryl Waltrip and Terry Labonte. Well, Bedine and Elliott wisely used the traffic to put some distance on Daryl Waltrip because Waltrip was right up there banging on their bumpers, hoping to get through. And right now it's about 12 or 15 car lengths back to Waltrip and Labonte and a long ways back down the straightaway, the short shoot to Harry Gant, who's riding in the fifth spot right now and this, just entering the turn. This is about as far as you'll see the field ever strung out here at Pocono, because normally when we come here, despite the fact that it is kind of a unique track and a little bit different for the drivers, they've adapted to it over the last couple of years, and I think we've seen some of the best racing we've ever seen. We always talk about what a great speedway Michigan is and the competition up there, and it is. But you also see some outstanding shows here. But for the moment, the field is pretty well strung out around here, except for the front two as they're just heading up the long pond straightaway. The leaders come out of turn number two, and they have some slower cars up ahead. They may not get to them until the next time around the track. They include Kyle Petty along with Jimmy Means. Bill Elliott still tucked up behind the back bumper of Jeff Bodine. You could maybe possibly slip a piece of paper between the two, but not much more than that, as Elliott almost touches him as they come out of turn two. Elliott still riding on the back bumper of Bodine. Looks to the inside briefly and decides to stay right back there as they take identical approaches into turn three. Tuck the cars right down, not quite to the grass. While we're here in the turn, we've talked a couple of times about drivers who have troubles getting to certain turns. One driver who's really struggling over here is Neil Bonnet. He comes in and that car twitches and 
turns and bumps. He takes it down onto the grass and bounces back onto the asphalt. Uh, if, if there's one driver that doesn't appear to be set up for turn three, it's Neil Bonnet. Neil Bonnet is driving the car that he won with up at North Wilkesboro, North Carolina. Thought they'd bring the short track set up here to Wilkesboro, or <laughs> here to Pocono from Wilkesboro, and see how it might work for him. Tim Brewer, his crew chief, says that this place is a job to get the car really right. It is a task. Yeah, it does, Barney. Uh, over the years, you know, with Junior and the, the people we've had up here, we've been awful successful, you know, because of our short track combinations and our speedway cars, so to speak. Uh, we just kind of take a little bit of each effort and, you know, try to incorporate it into making a guy comfortable here, getting in one at the high speeds, and still yet making the car, you know, relatively comfortable on the short shoots and all. And, you know, we've won races with everybody we brought up here. Kale, Daryl, Tim Richmond. Uh, you know, we're hoping to do the same thing with Neil Bonnet this weekend. Back at the Pocono International Raceway, it's almost an ideal day for racing here. It'll been a little bit overcast most of the day. It's still a little bit hazy, and normally we can see some 85 to 90 degree temperatures here, but it's been fairly comfortable all day long. Not only has there been an overcast, but the temperature's probably on the, only in the mid-60s at this stage. 53 laps are down in the Vanskoy 500 thus far. Riding in the lead, Jeff Bodine hanging on to second spot is Bill Elliott. Those two cars are linked together. It's a little ways back to Darrell Walter, the third-place car. Pretty far piece on back to Terry Labonte, who rides in fourth position. As for the moment, it's one of those stages in the race that we talk about from time to time that the field is just pretty well stabilized and just waiting for that next pit stop to come up. Here are the leaders off turn number three, back to the start-finish stripe. Elliott has not dominated this race like he has several this year. He's hanging about two car lengths back of Jeff Bodine. It is 4.3 seconds now, back to the third and fourth-place cars. That's Waltrip and Labadi as they go to turn one. As they go to turn one, we'll check up in turn number three. Good battle going on between Ricky Rudd and Tim Richmond. Ricky Rudd and Tim Richmond really been going at it here for a while. And right now, it's Ricky Rudd that's winning that battle as they come off the third turn. Richmond trying to glue to his bumper and get him on the straightaway coming through the grandstand area. Two of the youngest and hard-charging drivers in the business, Ricky Rudd and particularly Tim Richmond. Talk about aggressiveness. If he has a car that's capable of getting to the front or passing anybody on the racetrack, his theory is certainly pass them where you catch them, and he's done it many a time here as he and Dale Earnhardt had that spectacular crash down in turn one some years ago when they were racing for the lead going down into the corner. Earnhardt tumbling up into that box that Eli Gold was broadcasting in that time and kind of taking his breath away, which is unusual. Let's go down to turn one. <laughs> it's most unusual. We've just gotten hours back now. As a matter of fact, we were watching Bobby Allison. He comes by us again in his Miller American Buick, and he is bottoming out. He is the only car that bottoms out as he goes into turn number one. Whether uh, he has a, a shock problem on the right rear, whatever, but the car is definitely bottoming out. We're seeing fireworks come off the uh, asphalt, and that is strictly unique to Bobby Allison today. We'll talk to Dick Brooks about that. Dick has run around this racetrack an awful lot of miles. Have you ever had your bottom out here at Pocono? <laughs> I've had my bottom out. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, on the way down here the other day, I stopped in Charlotte at uh, one of the Cracker Barrels and eat a little uh, cobbler and ice cream. And Allison was in there eating cobbler and ice cream, too. In fact, he was packing in some grease. So maybe he's just a little overweight the reason he's doing it. But it could be that there is a shock bad. Uh, I don't think that they would have started the race that way. But there is a little bit of a bump going into turn one. And as you get down in the bottom of it, the car will will basically leave the ground and if I can't see it from here but if he is following right down on the bottom of the racetrack uh, it could possibly bottom out. How easy is it to second guess the setup in the car here? Dick you've been here and run several races and they talk about it being short track super speedway and having all kinds of characteristics and there really is no way you can set up for all the way around this racetrack is there? Well Jeff Bodine made, a, made the statement that he was trying to do his car all the way around because of your straightaway speed uh, it's, it's particularly 
uh, important that you do it through turns one so you can get up the back stretch because it's a long ways up there. Uh, the little short turn in, in turn uh, two where you cross the tunnel, is uh, it's got a bump in it. And, uh, and it's really tough to set up really good there because the car wants, has a tendency to kind of turn sideways. I know I've heard the announcers talking about it over there. And then the little short shoot going from there over into turn three is, uh, is very critical. If a guy can get a jump on you there and get underneath you going into turn three, he's going to blow you away because it's a real flat, long, long turn. And if he's underneath you, there's nothing you can do about it. Jeff Bodine has stretched his lead a little more as he works off turn number three and back into the long straightaway as a full second over Bill Elliott right now. And that car is working as well as you'll see anybody come here to Pocono. Barney, that happened in traffic as Bodine sought to lap past Dave Marcus and Clark Dwyer. Uh, Elliott could not follow him through, had to take a different line, and it cost him quite a bit. It ended up costing him just about a second on the racetrack as they go back to turn one. But at the same time, as strong as Bodine has been getting through traffic and so on, nobody can touch him on the straightaways. He is getting through the turn here as well as anybody else. But on the straightaways, even Bill Elliott, who's chasing him, can't dent the horses that uh, Bodine has going. Bill well, Elliott starts to close in just a little bit on Jeff Bodine as he closes down the daylight that has separated those two after Bodine made a magnificent move in traffic. Meanwhile, they're coming up on a couple of cars that wouldn't want to be down a lap here at this point of the race. Richard Petty and Buddy Baker, they should be closing on in on them in a lap or two. They're straight away ahead of them right now as they go through the turn to follow up on that Bobby Allison deal. Uh, we watched Bobby come through this turn because we're just a few feet away from them on the track. And Bobby has a header pipe that exits on the right side of the car. And normally the header pipes want to be nice and round. And this one's all flattened out. And I wouldn't be surprised, Eli, if he's bottoming out and hitting that header pipe as he goes into the turn on the right side. Well, well, Bodine's been going down the straightaway, uh, down the front straightaway, as bad as good as anything on the, on the racetrack. Early in the race, the first four or five laps when he was running behind, he uh, got, through, got through turn three a bit better than everybody else. He would pick up more coming down the front straightaway than, than anybody else. Now, one thing that we haven't seen yet is Elliott back four or five car lengths like he is now. If he pulls right back up on Bodine, that means that he was just sitting there. So we'll have to see what happens. Well, he's pulled up right behind him as they head into turn number two. The gap that once was five or six car lengths is now just one. As they work out of turn number two, the lead is just non-existent now for Jeff Bodine. Bodine will pull Elliott down the Blakesley Boulevard here, the short shoot into turn three. And again, they're nose to tail as they go into the turn. Elliott has closed right up and is closing even tighter. Gets a little bit out of shape, but he's setting up to go to the inside. Single file off turn number three, back to the start-finish line as Ken Schrader makes his second pit stop of the day. We've been caution-free here at Pocono for 50 laps here, 150, or rather 59 laps, almost 150 miles. The leaders, Bill Elliott, Jeff Bodine, and Darrell Waltrip, only three drivers to lead this race. It's Bodine in front by a car length. It's Elliott riding in the second spot. Waltrip is third. Labonte is fourth. Back at Pocono, no change in the front five. 61 laps are on the board here this afternoon. And so far, it has been all Jeff Bodine and Bill Elliott as they've broken the draft on everyone and pulled away pretty good. Or anything that might have been going on on pit road and in the garage, let's go to Ned Jarrett. One other car has uh, gone by the wayside here at Eddie Beers while one of the champion spark plug Rookie of the Year contenders has a dry sump pump on that car. That's the DK Ulrich car number six, so he's parked it. The pit stop a moment ago by Kenny Schrader that you mentioned, the old concealed Ford, was for left side tires. Now, that was a little bit earlier than we anticipated the second pit stop's coming up. They should go to somewhere around the 70 lap mark before they'll be coming in from 70 to 75 laps. Well, the cars that are out, if you just joined our broadcast, Ronnie Thomas has parked his machine. Dale Earnhardt went out very early here this afternoon. Again, an engine problem has plagued the Wrangler team to put them out of competition. 
Jerry Bowman is also out of competition. The four-car, the Folgers coffee machine of Joe Ruttman is behind the wall. Rick Newsom was in and out of the garage area a couple of times, has now taken his car back behind the pit wall, and Eddie Beerswall is the latest to join the cars that have fallen out here this afternoon. Give Terry Labonte an A for effort. He finally got by Daryl Waltrip here in turn number one. He had tried that move lap after lap, finally pulled it off. Labonte's in third. Darryl. Go ahead, turn two. Darrell Waltrip down to the inside of the racetrack in turn number two. Isn't able to keep that car as close to the bottom of the racetrack as he has been uh, early in the race, or we've seen him until this point. He's just not able to keep it down there. He's creeping up the track a half a car length. May not sound like a whole lot, but Terry Labonte certainly used it to his advantage. Well, Terry Labonte had uh, something a while ago then on the first pit stop. He pitted a little bit earlier than some of the lead cars did. But when he came back out and everybody sorted through their pit stops in, in, over a period of six or eight laps, was right back in the lead. And, and at that particular time when he pitted, he was about four seconds down. He's a little bit further than that now. If they make another stop like that this next time, he can be right back in the hunt again. So you got to give the credit, uh, got to give a lot of credit to the crew for putting him back where he was. Those guys have really got their act together. You really have to play heads up down on pit road because that extra second you can get or lose in the pits can make an awful lot of difference in trying to make it up on the racetrack. Here's Clark Dwyer's machine on pit road as Elmo Langley and the team go to work on him. They're changing right side tires. We'll be sending him back onto the speedway here in just a moment as 63 laps are posted on the board. While the field is pretty well strung out all the way around the Pocono International Raceway at this juncture, it'll give us time to talk a little bit about the rules change that'll be coming up. That's been the big topic of conversation for the last couple of weeks is some of the rule changes that will be made in the next few weeks on the NASCAR circuit starting at Daytona for the, right after the firecracker race. And Darrell Waltrip talked about some of those things, and he's, of course, one of the most outspoken drivers. He always says exactly what he thinks. Waltrip told us that over the years that NASCAR's rule changes at one time have hurt the Chevrolets, at one time they've hurt the Fords or any other make of car. They took, like I said, they have taken things off of the Chevrolets per se, not all the cars in the garage, but off the Chevrolets to keep them from being too dominating. And let's face it, every good team in racing almost has a Chevrolet, so they're going to win a lot of races. There are four good Fords in the field, and Bill's won five races. But you got to look at the numbers. When when 75 or 80 percent of the field is Chevys, and, and 75 or 80 percent of the teams have them, then obviously they're going to win a lot of races. It doesn't have anything to do with the rules or anything else. It's just a mere fact that there's that many more Chevrolets than there is anything else. We've got to keep the cars all relatively close together. If I win a race by a car length, that's a good race. If I lose a race by a car length, that's a good race. If I drive off and lap the field, or I drive off win by half a lap, or I make a race boring, that is not interesting, and the rules will be changed. You can bank on it. The carburetor deal right now, it affects us all. And it ought to affect Bill the same amount it affects me. He was already faster than I am, so I anticipate him continuing to be just as fast or faster than I was. Now that's part of the thoughts of Darrell Waltrip. Well, Bill Elliott, who the rule change everyone feels is pretty much aimed at, he's still kind of smarting over it, and he says his winning five out of 12 races has not hurt the sport. There's enough good cars out there that they'll be back. I mean, I'm running good right now, but that don't decide that Sunday somebody else ain't running good. You know, and I've seen it too many times, and while I'm here, I want to try to do the best I can because, you know, you might not can get it next race or, or two months down the road or three months down the road. Waltrip also has some thoughts about the rules change in this direction. What the problem is in this particular incident is other Fords are not as fast as that Ford. 
It'd be like I had a Chevrolet at Talladega that went 209 mile an hour and the rest of the field was at 202. Now, how long do you think that would last? Since I've been driving Junior Johnson's car, they've taken away carburetors, distributors. They take the air dam off the front of the Chevrolet because it's too fast. They've done everything they can to keep all the Chevys running the same speed. So why is it acceptable now that one Ford can be that much faster than the rest of the field and a whole lot faster than the rest of the Fords? Nobody, everybody loves Bill Elliott. He's a neat guy. He's from Georgia. He's fun. And we want to, you know, we wish him the best. But we're competitors. And we don't want to go out on the racetrack racing against a cat that we can't beat. And up to, up to Sunday, nobody realistically thought they could beat that guy. And it puts you in a bad position because, hey, you don't want to see him run away with all the races. You want to be able to at least think he got a chance to compete and, and, and a chance to win. And up to Sunday, nobody had had a realistic chance. Walter was, of course, talking about his victory at the World 600 down in Charlotte. Pit stops are coming up again. Richard Petty and Ricky Rudd are two of those. Let's go to Ned. Richard Petty changed right side tires on the STP Pontiac, Barney, and Ricky Rudd on the Motorcraft Ford took on left side tires. Kyle Petty also made a pit stop, and now Harry Gant is coming in. Travis Carter out on pit road and ready to bring him in. Let's see what side to go. They're going to work on the left side on that car. I suspect we'll see most of them change the left side tires this time around on pit stops. These are regular pit stops. Some of these drivers came in a little bit earlier on the last time around. Waltrip, Elliott, some of those that went longer will run another six, seven, eight laps now before they come in. Most yep. of them pitted between lap 33 and lap 37, so they'll all be back in very shortly. Uh, yesterday, while Ned and Harry Gant, Darrell Waltrip, Terry Labonte are up at Mid-Ohio for the International Race of Champions event. Saw Travis Carter walking around the pit road in a in a driver's suit. Don't know if he actually hopped into that car and took a few laps of practice, but he might have. Well, maybe not this week, maybe next week. 68 laps are on the board here at Pocono International Raceway. This is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Jeff Bodine still leads the Vanscoy 500. He's ahead of Bill Elliott by about a half a second. They're down in turn one. And that's how they work through the corner, still taking that very same groove. While we were listening to some of the comments of Darrell Waltrip, the leaders have lapped by Buddy Baker. They've lapped by Bobby Allison. They've lapped by a number of others. So now those on the lead lap, that number beginning to twin. Richard Petty is pulling the STP Pontiac into the garage area. We'll go see what the problem is. Leaders now work down into turn number two, but I'm two car lengths over Bill Elliott's Melling Coors Ford as they move out of that turn and head down that short straightaway. Well, after they worked traffic for a while here, and Jeff Bodine was really giving Elliott fits by using Bobby Allison and a few others as picks. Now Elliott has been able to gather it in. He's running a little bit lower line through turn three and close to back to about two car lengths behind Bodine as they head off into the straightaway. And Bodine heads for pit road. He takes that low line off turn number three and comes down pit road to the attention of Harry Hyde, Timothy Johnson, and the rest of the Levi Garrett crew. Let's go to Ned. Well, this would be a scheduled pit stop. We saw Harry Hyde standing out on pit road there just a moment ago. Mike Joy, I'm down in the garage area to chase down Richard Petty. Right side tires on Bodine's machine. Fill of the tank of gasoline. Two new Goodyear Eagles on the right side. A little bit slow getting that right front tightened up. And gas going in. Finally, they drop him. The tire man comes around, and they've got to push him away. 15 seconds, not the best pit stop. 15.7. Well, it's not all that bad, though, either, because uh, we've had several today of the top teams that have been in the 15-second range. That so gets him out pretty quick. 70 laps are down here at Pocono International Raceway. Richard Petty in the STP Pontiac becomes the latest retiree. Last year, they ran this race when started 40 cars and only lost eight. They had 32 running at the end. This afternoon, we've already lost about eight, and we're not even halfway yet. Here is Phil Parsons making his routine stop. At this juncture, Dave Marcus is on pit road along with Buddy Arrington. Let's go to the garage and see if Ned Jarrett has tracked down Richard Petty. We have, Barney. He just crawled out of the STP Pontiac. Richard, what's wrong? 
I think we dropped the valve and they had to, uh, went, down in the, went down in the corner and the thing started skipping and uh, we come in and checked and everything looked all right on the outside so they had to break had to break a valve and you got so far to go in the race we sprayed to go ahead and run because if you blow an engine going in one of these corners you wiped out a car so we just decided to stop. You made an announcement here in the uh, press box this morning. I did? Yeah, didn't you? Somebody made an announcement. In your oh, yeah, well, we, yeah, we're coming back to New York on uh, the 6th of uh, July and do some racing at Shangri-La. So uh, that was what it was all about. Okay, they're calling it the I Love New York Richard Petty Day in New York State. Ned, while you have Richard there, you might ask him if, if there is a weakness in the STP team at this particular stage of his career. Just about everybody says if they could get some good motors, Richard could still win some races. You might talk with him about that. Richard, let me ask you one other question. Barney Hall, uh, is there a weakness in this team right now? Is it motors or what? Uh... Well, I tell you, when, when you go out and you run and the driver's still going and the crew's still going, the motors is not going, then you draw your own conclusion. Pretty well says it. 71 laps are down. Richard Petty very disgusted here this afternoon. Tim Richmond makes his stop at a good one as the old Milwaukee team puts him back on the racetrack. And Richmond is another young driver this year that's kind of been frustrated. He likes to run at the front of the pack. He's as aggressive as you'll find. He wants a piece of equipment that'll take him right up there. But, Dick, I guess any driver in the business wants the same thing, don't they? Well, I don't know for sure why they haven't put that team together. It, uh, they've moved a couple people around and... and uh, They've got good equipment and good whatever. It just hasn't gelled right. Sometimes there's a combination between the driver and crew chief or the crew itself just in communications alone. The team can stay together. They can change the driver or the driver can driver can stay there and they change a couple members of the crew. And, and the members that change go to another team and that team does well and they put somebody in, that, in the team that they left from and they do really well. So sometimes it's just a communication problem and it appears to be that with that team. And sometimes it's just a matter of getting the right chemistry together as they talk about in this business. Left side tires for Cale Yarbrough. The Hardy's team has him away in just about 16.2 seconds, taking on left side rubber on that Ford Thunderbird. We're at 72 laps as Buddy Baker and Bobby Allison make their pit stops. Allison's uh, Miller sponsor mate, if not teammate, if you will, up at Indianapolis voted the best paint scheme, and that new half-red, half-white with the split star in the middle is now on all the Miller Motorsports vehicles. Sharp-looking new paint scheme. If you not have a chance to see it at the Winston Cup racetracks you've visited, and both Baker and Allison get left-side tires in the second round of scheduled pit stops. Again, we've been caution-free here at Pocono International Raceway. Bill Elliott, Jeff Bodine, and Darrell Waltrip, the only drivers so far to leave the, uh, lead this race, 73 laps complete, and speaking of leaving this race already, as Barney pointed out, eight of the 40 starters are in the garage area, and we're still 22 laps to halfway. At the Pocono International Raceway, all the front runners per se now have just about made their pit stops. As coming on the pit road, here is Darrell Waltrip. Let's go to Ned. Neil Bonnet, his teammate, was just in, uh, Barney, and he coasted in. He was completely out of gasoline. He lost a little extra time. They changed all four tires on that car. They're going to the left side on Waltrip's Budweiser Chevrolet. Ricky Rudd changed left side tires. Perry Labonte was in in the Piedmont Airlines car. He changed right side tires. So it's a variety of strategy here as far as the tires are concerned. Walter has his service and he's gone. So Bill Elliott has yet to come in. Here's Ron Bouchard on pit road. Bouchard, the Valvoline Buick. Jake Elder, the new crew chief there, will get service. Looks like they borrowed a crewman from the Harry Melling team. There's a Coors shirt out there on pit road changing the right rear along with all those Valvoline uniforms. Last night at Hickory, North Carolina, the NASCAR Bush Late Model Sportsman Series ran the Goodies 200. 
A Daytona Goodies 300 Invitational Race at a Bush Late Model Sportsman event, also part of that Gatorade Circle of Champions. Larry Pearson, David Pearson's son, picked up his second career Bush Sportsman win. Brett Bodine, that's Jeff Bodine's younger brother who won up at Martinsville in an occasional ride in the Rick Hendrick car, having quite a season. He finished second. Jimmy Hensley and Jack Ingram were third and fourth. Might not have been in that order. They were still discussing that as we got the report from Hickory, North Carolina last night. Boy, they're running here at Pocono after that round of pit stops. Elliott being posted as the leader. Waltrip had been second, but after making the stop, it's going to drop him back in the running order and move up Jeff Bonine into the number two position. Ron Bouchard had been posted as third. He also has made a pit stop since that juncture, so it should put Terry Labonte up there and then Harry Gant should be the way they're running with 77 laps complete. Friday night up at Stafford Motor Speedway in Connecticut, the NASCAR Mod Squad in action. Reggie Ruggiero, the feature winner there in the Mario Fiore Shadow. And track legend Bug Stevens picked up the second spot. John Anderson won the SK Modified Thriller. That's Friday night up at Stafford, Connecticut. Most everything else in New England, we understand, was rained out Saturday night, except for the New London Waterford Speedball Winston Racing Series event. And we hope to have a report for that before we get off the air, along with some of the other events around the country that happened this weekend while we're here at Pocono. Here is the leader, Bill Elliott, taking it back into turn number one in front of Eli Gold. Still running as smoothly as he has all afternoon long and just continues to work, uh, work his way through traffic and pick his way around so very quickly. We had watched Kale Yarborough. Of course, Kale has made his pit stops and consequently has fresher tires on and did Bill Elliott, but he is trying to close up just a bit. Bill Elliott moving up on the back bumper of the Chevrolet of Bobby Hillen Jr. as they work into turn two. One thing we have just noticed, Jeff Bodine has been driving traffic very aggressively in the early part of this race. He's showing some battle scars for it. The right side of his Levi Garrett Chevrolet is punched in just a little bit around the covers that cover the headlights. Those are poked in just a little bit. The bumper's bent just a bit. Aerodynamically, that car not maybe quite as sound as he'd want it to be as Elliott now works down into turn three. I'll tell you, the Bill Elliott car is... Uh... He ran 95 miles a while ago on a tank of gas, and now he's going right at 100 as he comes in down pit row now. And uh, that's not good for Forge, you know. Forge is not supposed to run that far. The others have been in 15 laps ago, so they have really found something. Yes, they have, Dick. They've worked on that situation. He's in now to take on right side tires, and they're filling you up with gas. After he ran that 95 miles on the first pit stop, they analyzed the situation. They knew exactly how much gas they put in the Coors Ford and figured, well, we can go 100 miles now. And then he has that service, right side tires and fuel, and he's on his way. It is highly unusual for the Fords to get good gas mileage. That's been a problem at many of the tracks over the years, and they have lost some races by that simple fact. But, Dick, uh, while we're talking about gas mileage, Pocono is certainly no place to run out of gas because unlike most of the super speedways we go to where you're running 180, 90 miles an hour, if you run out going into turn one, normally you can coast all the way back around and get to the pit road. Here you can't do it. I really wouldn't have thought that they would have tried to stretch it that far. They really, really got it figured out somewhere. Now, they got a meter in it, or they got some kind of a light in it that's telling them when the thing's starting to run low on fuel. But one other thing it does, when a car goes out and runs 80 or 90 miles, and then comes in and puts on fresh tires, the, that car just drives away for a while. It picks up two or three tenths, sometimes a half a second. And uh, and that seems to be what's happened to, to the Jeff Bodine car. Uh, they come in and the pit stops was just about exactly the same, but there was about 15 laps difference in it. Now Elliott will have a chance to uh, try to make that back up if he, if he got a good set of tires. So we'll see what happens. But if he runs him down now like he was running him down before, I've got to believe that Elliott could run just a little bit harder if he had to than he has already. Dick, let's check in with Ernie Elliott, uh, Bill's brother. We were discussing the gas mileage, Ernie. You folks are getting awfully good gas mileage. We all know that you've worked on that very hard. Does he have any gauge or anything that tells him when it's getting low? Yeah, we ride a meter in the car just like everybody else does, Nancy. 
you know, we're just trying to be conservative right now and not run out of fuel, but, you know, the way this thing looks, it could go all the way on green. We got B up here once on gas mileage. I, I, I hope not to do that again. So he's not necessarily running as hard as he could? Well, we're just trying to be conservative right now. Okay, that's the word from Ernie Elliott. That's a good way for a Georgian politician to say that uh, I believe we got your handle in it. <laughs> well, it might be. Ned, when they talk about a gas gauge, it's not a gas gauge like in our passenger cars. Isn't it a fuel pressure gauge instead of a fuel level gauge? Well, for ever since I drove a race car, they've had fuel pressure gauges in them, Mike, but they have something new now, and I'll have to admit that I'm not really up to date on, on that uh, meter that they have in them that'll gauge the gas. One problem that you have with a regular gauge that you have on a passenger car is they, once you go into a turn and it slings the gas around, you don't get a correct measurement of it. It would give you a misreading. So they've devised some sort of a system where they can gauge it a little bit closer, and apparently it's working good for it. Well, Dick Brooks, that Hendrick Chevrolet that you drove at uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway had one of those new deals. Well, we were a little bit different than that, but there's two different type gauges, really. There's one that, that has a pot just above the fuel tank, in between in, in line, between the fuel tank and the engine, and that pot has a meter in it or has a float in it. When that float goes so low, there's a light comes on. So if it takes, if it uh, uh, comes a little bit weak on gas, then a light comes on and that tells you that you ran out of gas in the tank and the only thing you've got is what's left in the carburetor and the fuel line up to it. So it's usually good for another two or three miles. So sometimes it lets you come in. Now what they're using, I think, is a flow meter. It tells them exactly how much fuel they've used. The tank holds 22 gallons, supposed to, and uh, if, they, uh, if the flow meter is accurate, it tells them they've used 20 gallons or 21 gallons, and they judge it from there. And I think that's what they've got. Sounds like aircraft equipment. Well, it's basically the same thing. It's, uh, it just tells you how much gas you've used. It doesn't tell you how much you've got left. So it, unless you get your tank completely full getting in, and one way you judge that is when the car leaves the pits, you can see fuel run out the overflow. If you see fuel run out of the overflow, then you know you got pretty close to your 22 gallons in the tank. So then the driver goes ahead and runs it up until his meter shows he's 21 or 21 gallons or so, and uh, and then they bring him in. We're 82 laps into the Vanskoy Diamond Mine 500 here at Pocono. We've been caution-free. We'll set the top four for you. Jeff Bodine is the leader, but right behind him, 1.8 seconds back, and chasing him down is Bill Elliott in the number two position. Darrell Walker posted third, and Terry Labonte is fourth. Piedmont Airlines announces more good news for the family budget. We've extended our family fares through September 30th, 1985, which means whenever you fly us full fare, your spouse and kids can fly with you for just $49 per person each way. This $49 fare is available everywhere Piedmont flies, except to Colorado and Texas, where it's just $69, and to California, where it's just $79. For details, call your travel agent or Piedmont. Richard Childress, owner of the Wrangler Chevrolet Monte Carlo. With the radio communication we have in the cars now, we can make some adjustments on the car if Dale needs it. If there's trouble ahead sometime, we can give him somewhat of a warning, but usually all the final decisions in the car are made by Dale. Richard Childress, off the track, on the track, he wears Wrangler jeans, shirts, and casual wear because Wrangler clothes look great no matter what you're doing. 83 laps are complete here at Pocono International Raceway. Coming up on the 200-mile mark of this Vanscoy 500, you could be going to one of these Winston Cup races almost free, courtesy of Goody's Headache Powders, Piedmont Airlines, and Motor Racing Network, and the Goody's Race for the Money Sweepstakes. We'll draw eighth winners, one each month, and you can win. 
$300 cash spending money plus round-trip airfare for two on Piedmont Airlines to, from the closest city served to your home and two tickets to a selected Winston Cup race. Or you could win the grand prize, and that's a Daytona 500 dream vacation. Next February, you and a guest could go to Daytona and have tickets for the Goodies, five, the Goodies 300, Daytona 500, a tour of the NASCAR garage to meet your favorite drivers, lodging for four nights at the Treasure Island Inn on Daytona Beach Shores, $1,000 in cash, and tickets on Piedmont Airlines to get there and back. All you need to do is send in the front panel of any size package of Goodies Headache Powders or the name Goodies Headache Powders written in plain block letters on a 3x5 piece of paper. Include your name, address, and telephone number, and send your entry to Goodies Race for the Money, Box 500, Daytona Beach, Florida, 32015. One entry per envelope, please, and we'll announce the winners on Motor Racing Network every month the rest of the season, and in November, announce the winner of our grand prize. Jeff Bodine's the leader here at Pocono. Bill Elliott in the second spot, and is that gap closing or widening? No, it's closing up a little bit. I think that, uh, I really think, just like we said earlier, I think that uh, Ernie is a very good politician. I think he's just letting everybody know that, uh, in a subtle sort of way, that right now Bill's probably got him handled if he wanted to do it because he has had no trouble. The three times he's been back behind him, he's had no trouble catching back up, and he's gaining on him now. Well, Jeff Bodine and Harry Hyde may think differently. They're the leaders. The Elliots are second. Darrell Waltrip is third. And in fourth, Terry Labonte. From Pocono Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Back at Pocono International Raceway, 86 laps are on the board with Bodine up front. Bill Elliott in second, Waltrip in third, Labonte in fourth, and then it's a long way back to Harry Gant, Ron Bouchard, Cale Yarborough, Phil Parsons, Ricky Rudd, Tim Richmond, and the Benny Parsons machine. Then Neil Bonnet, Bobby Allison, and Buddy Baker, the way they were posted as of our last scoring rundown. And we'll update that for you. Right now we're showing 10 cars on the lead lap. Back through Tim Richmond, who's having quite a battle with Benny Parsons in turn one. It's a battle. That's a good one. As a matter of fact, Ricky Rudd, Benny Parsons, and Rusty Wallace all work in that trio. Tim Richmond, for the moment, has dropped off the pace from those three cars, but it's a dandy going down the long pond straightaway. They line up now, nose to tail, moving into turn two. Benny Parsons, Ricky Rudd, Rusty Wallace. Tim Richmond trails them still. They all run the same line. Down low now, riding out high to the wall, heading down the short straightaway. As they keep, they come to the outside of the Bobby Waywag car. There's another cluster of race cars ahead of them going into turn three. Parsons will lead Rudd and Wallace through the turn. Wallace has to go wide to get around Bobby Waywack, and Benny Parsons will lead that group off the turn, and Tim Richmond is still trying to chase him down. Good battle back there. It's for about the eighth position as they come to the start-finish stripe. Rudd drafting right off Parsons. He had driven away from Tim Richmond's car, and Richmond, the last driver to win here at Pocono from the pole, seems to be falling off the pace just a bit. Mike, let's check in with Harry Hyde, who's the crew chief on Jeff Bodine's car. He's uh, wanting to talk to Jeff as he comes by here right now, and he gives Jeff the time. Harry, we talked with Ernie Elliott, and he says Bill is sort of cooling it a little bit right now. Do you think he's playing with you, or are you both sort of cooling it? Well, I don't know if he is or not. We're cooling it a little bit, too, so we'll see who's the coolest when he comes up this 100 lap, because I'm sure they won't be cooling it on that 100th lap. I guarantee you we'll find out who's cooling it. So you're looking forward to that $10,000 prize from Barclays America? Yes, sir. I want to see him take us on that 100 lap, yeah. Okay, that is going to be an interesting confrontation coming up here before too long. Well, like it was at Charlotte, North Carolina, that ten grand for the front spot at the halfway point. That one saw Dale Earnhardt uh, get Darrell Waltrip off into the grass for $10,000, and that's a pretty good piece of change for what amounts uh, to just about 30 seconds or so work here around the Pocono International Raceway. 88 laps are in the books now. 
Halfway will be 100 laps. Let's check down with Eli Gold as he reports the threat of rain on the horizon. Well, it's just the wind has picked up a good bit and the temperature has dropped a few degrees and what had been bright sunshine here in Pennsylvania is now pretty good cloud cover, but uh, we don't see any heavy rain showers in the area just looking around the horizon, but nonetheless, the wind has picked up, maybe contributing to the fact that the two guys who've just gone by me are battling. Bill Elliott is hooked right on to the rear deck of Jeff Bodine. Almost made a bid, Elliott did, coming off turn one. Elliott is definitely Jeff Bodine's shadow now as they work down the back straightaway. Bodine weaving just a little bit, snaking from the inside back to the outside of the racetrack, trying to break the draft of Elliott. That's an impossible task as they hit into turn number two. Bodine, a car length ahead of the Elliott Ford. Elliott stays on the Jeff Bodine bumper. Last time by, a couple laps ago, Elliott tested the inside on Jeff a little bit. This time he's content to stay right there, follows exactly the same line through. But as they get into the turn, Jeff tends to come out a little bit higher about halfway through the turn, and Elliott can keep the car stuck right down to the grass when they come out. They'll put 90 laps on the board when they cross the start-finish line this time, and 10 laps from now, the 200th or the 100th lap will be worth $10,000. So you can bet Elliott's getting in a position to make a run for that money as they head back to turn number one. He might just be content to ride there for the moment. It seems as though he is. Race traffic is not a factor for these automobiles. Phil Good and Bobby Wawak are ahead of them, but they shouldn't be a factor. Off the number one corner to the long pond straightaway, 3,055 feet. Bodine by a car lane. It's as if these two cars are on the same set of railroad tracks. Now Jeff Bodine goes from the outside, swings across three lanes all the way down to the bottom of the racetrack. Bill Elliott following right behind him as now Bodine trying to do anything he can to shake Bill Elliott off his tail. They exit turn two. They tried to use Phil Good as a pick, but that didn't work. Good moving too slowly. And once again, it's Bodine. They'll be coming up on Bobby Waywax's car when they come off turn three. Bodine about a car length on Elliott. Elliott... Oh, looks, gets it a little bit sideways, but gets it out there okay. He obviously can get through the turn with his nose down to the grass much more easily than Bodine can. Jeff Bodine is the leader. Right behind him, less than a car length back, is Bill Elliott hanging out of the number two spot, and they'll be running for $10,000, the lap 100 coming up just nine laps from now. Back at the Pocono International Raceway, 93 laps are on the board here in the Vanskoy Diamond Mine 500. Bodine is still leading, riding in the second spot is Bill Elliott, but Elliott may be biding his time with a $10,000 lap from Barclays American coming up on lap 100, just seven laps away. Third place car is Darrell Waltrip. He's about six or eight seconds back. Still in fourth position, Terry Labonte, and fifth is Harry Gant. Let's go to Ned Jarrett. Phil Good has parked the uh, cross-release. He's in the garage area. What's your problem, Phil? Well, we've got some kind of an oil problem. It's uh, just the back end of the car is full of oil. It's blowing out from somewhere. Uh, oil pressure started fluctuating pretty bad, and... Uh, I guess we're just going to park it for the day because it looks like it's a pretty serious problem. Sorry to see you out of it. Thanks a lot. Phil Good, who is out of it for the day, and as Mike Joyce said a moment ago, Bobby Gearhart also has retired his car. Well, Barney, let's check in with him as he crawls out of the car number 23 Chevrolet. Bobby, what went wrong? Well, I believe we uh, broke a ring and pinion. Uh, we're a little different than most of the Grand National teams. We're using a Chrysler gear. And it's just not near as strong as the Ford setup. I mean, we're going to have to go with everybody else with the Ford. This is the second one we broke this year. We broke one at Wilkesboro early in the year. And I guess we're just going to have to change the Ford. Okay, sorry to see you at it. Thank you, Ned. Well, we'll take you back through the field just a little bit as we complete. 94 laps are completed. Check that. There's a good battle going on here down the front straightaway, and that'll be for about ninth position. Ricky Rudd running right in the midst of Benny Parsons. 
and that would be for position. That's for eighth spot, and right with them is Kyle Petty. Kyle Petty is a third car in line in that trio, but Benny Parsons and Ricky Rudd, they're the ones going in those tail right now off the corner. Also further back, and you can tell me if it's for position or not, Mike, but a good battle, Bobby Allison and Buddy Baker. They've been really mixing it up here in turn one the last number of laps. That'll be the battle for 12th spot. Both of those cars are one lap off the pace. Let's follow Parsons and Rudd to turn two. They're still nose to tail now, diving down into that eight-degree banking. Benny Parsons, a car length ahead of the Copenhagen Chevrolet, but there's Ricky Rudd knocking on the back door. Kyle Petty back there with the best seat in the house. Ricky's been handling very nicely as they've been getting around the track here, and right now he's sitting on the bumper, tries to look inside. Parsons slams the door. They've got a cluster of slower cars ahead of them when they come off the turn. It's Parsons, Rudd, and uh, Kyle Petty running bumper to bumper. Rudd is one driver who really enjoys running here at Pocono. I, I really enjoy running here. To me, it's like a road course with uh, all left-hand turns. It's something different. And I think if you'll notice, the, it's usually a good race here. The competition stays close together, bunched up. Usually you see nine, ten cars running together just about all day long. Uh, now and then you'll see one guy break out front, but pretty much it's a nine or ten car pack all day long for the lead. And it's really fun racing here because of the way the straightaways are laid out. And More from Ricky Rudd on that later. He enjoys running at this racetrack. A lot of strategy involved here, not only in how the car is set up, but how you approach each different corner of this racetrack. Uh, as we get Dick Brooks hooked up back online here. It is such a unique place. Uh, Barney, I guess every time you turn the wheel here, you confront a whole different problem. And Jeff Bodine addressed that uh, very question. Every time you turn left, it's an entirely different situation. It is, and everyone says Pocono is a track of compromises. You compromise uh, your gear ratio for the front straightaway, the back stretch, and the short shoot. Three different lengths. You have three different kinds of corners, so you kind of compromise the handling of the car to suit all three corners uh, fairly good. You don't try to pick out one corner and, and forget about the other two. You try to get around all three. We seem to have done that right now. Uh, our car seems to be working in all three corners pretty good. It's working real good down the straightaway. We've got a, a good engine. and. Uh, our engine program has really come together here in, in the last three, four months. And you, you need a good, strong engine here at Pocono. Plus, you need that car that will handle in all three corners. 97 laps are down. Three from now, they'll run for $10,000, and we'll be here to cover it in just a moment. From Pocono International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Back at Pocono International Raceway, the tension is building. This crowd knows they'll be running for $10,000. Whoever leads the 100th lap as they come back up into turn number three. And Dave Sutherland is getting tight. It is tight, and Elliott's been staying right on Jeff Bodine's bumper. Jeff's having a little trouble getting through the third turn. He gets in okay, but he got sideways a couple laps ago coming out. And Elliott was right there on the inside waiting for him to slide high. Ned Jarrett is on pit road. He is near the vicinity of both these pit crews. Let's check in for a word. Well, they're both anxiously waiting. Of course, you heard Harry Hyde say, we'll see on this lap, but he looked like he's making a move going into turn one. He is. Bill Elliott moves to the inside of Jeff Bodine. The scoreboard says 99 complete, but Bodine taking the high side of the banking. The cars bump. They come together. They both stay pointed in the right direction, and Elliott muscles his way off the number one corner with the lead in the Van Scoy 500. Bodine looks to the inside. Now he tucks in behind Elliott's Ford. They've got three slower cars up ahead. They will definitely have to deal with them before they get to the start-finish line. Leaders scream now into turn number two. Elliott trying to hold off the charge of Jeff Bodine. Elliott hammers the gas off the turn. Bodine slides out there with him. They've got a bunch of race cars ahead of them. It's going to be a tough one for Jeff. He looks to the inside. Bodine goes for position down low. Can he do it? No. Elliott squeezes him off. 
It's now Elliott sideways. He's way out of the groove. It's Jeff Bodine going underneath. Elliott got loose, and Bodine is leading off the turn. Jeff Bodine gets underneath him as Elliott went way wide in the corner, and Bodine will win the $10,000 award from Barclays American, as you don't see that many times on Bill Elliott. He just made a mistake going into the corner, apparently, and let the car kick out on him, and Dick, that's awful easy to do, I'm sure. Well, the thing I seen was Elliott uh, coming off the second turn. Uh, Bodine got just a little bit better jump on him, and he pulled up in his blind spot going into the third turn, and there's really a blind spot there, and the track's flat. Elliott didn't know for sure where he was and just stayed just high long enough that he got in the loose stuff, and that was the end of it. Let's check in with Harry Hyde here. Harry, what did you just say to me? What did you say, Ned? I didn't hear you. I said, you just, when I walked up here, what did you say? I said, I knew you'd be back after that statement I made. <laughs> Well, he, he was able to pull it off, but you had to have some anxious moments there. Well, yeah, I, I felt like, though, that we were strong enough to keep him back there. Jeff told me that he was doing it, and, uh, and and we were waiting on him to make his move, and I just felt like it would give the fans a real good thrill to see who could get back to that line first for $10,000. And I hope that made our boss, Rick Hendricks, happy because I know he's sitting there looking and watching, and, and we've owed him this one all year, and, and uh, we're trying to pay him back. Okay, Mark is American putting up that $10,000, and they took it home. And when he said made it exciting, Boney, I'd say he did. He did that, that's for sure. This crowd was on their tiptoes watching to see what was going to happen up there, and it was a tight one through turn three. We pause 10 seconds on the Motor Racing Network for station identification. At Pocono Raceway, the balloons have flown, and the halfway mark has passed. Jeff Bodine will pick up that $10,000, and as at Charlotte Motor Speedway, where Earnhardt muscled Waltrip for ten grand, it wasn't without a change of sheet metal down in turn number one, and then a, a pass, and then a repass situation at turn number three. And that is quite a move. Elliot, you know, a number of drivers have told me, Barney, at this racetrack, you get into turn three, and the turn is so long, it's so far around, that you can get down that turn and feel you're headed out of the corner, and yet there's still half a corner to go. I really don't think that it happened, you know, halfway through. I think it got high going in, but he really, he really did uh, just drove it down in there as good as he could, you know. And, and uh, he'd like to have it $10,000 as well as anybody else would, but it uh, just wasn't his day. I'll tell you, it's like Harry said, Rick and him need some help, and, uh, and they got it today, and everybody here was hollering for him. On the back straightaway, Ricky Rudd's Motorcraft Ford is out of power. The car just coasting by. The leaders flash by him. Rudd now is slowly moving towards two. He's wiggling the car back and forth, trying to see if he can't coast it back to pit road. Well, they have had their troubles here at Pocono over the recent years. Two pit stops just made by Tim Richmond and by Kyle Petty. Let's go to Ned Jarrett. And Barney, these are scheduled pit stops that we see. Apparently, Rudd is out of gas because he had stopped uh, one of the earlier ones to stop on the last pit stop. I'm standing by with Ernie Elliott again. Ernie was quite a scramble for that 10,000, but he came up a little bit short. Yeah, we're a little bit loose. Today. You know, Bodine's running awfully good, boy. You can't take nothing away from him. He's running. Well, we were wondering, you know, who was holding back? Both of you said you were sort of cooling it, but when the money was down, it didn't seem to be a whole lot of difference. No, nah, the cars are pretty equal. Okay, so it was a little bit loose, and that was obvious up there in that turn. Well, that little slip will cost him $10,000, but he's still got a good shot to win the race here this afternoon. We're 103 laps just past the halfway mark here in the Vanscoy Diamond Mine 500 from Pocono. The leader is Jeff Bodine, Bill Elliott second, Darrell Walters third, and Terry Labonte is fourth. Next Sunday, MRN's at Michigan International Speedway to cover the Miller 400. And 13 days from today, Saturday night, we'll go short tracking at Indianapolis Raceway Park, the Kroger 200 for the Bush Sportsman Series. 
Then back here at Pocono, or rather at Daytona, 4th of July for the Firecracker 400. July 21, we're at Pocono Raceway once again. July 28th, the Talladega, the world's fastest speedway. To cover the Winston Cup action on this Motor Racing Network station, you might take a minute and write your station sometime during the season. Let them know you appreciate them carrying these Winston Cup stock car racing broadcasts. 106 laps are down. Ron Bouchard has nursed his car all the way around the two-and-a-half-mile speedway here at Pocono and has limped onto pit road. And they say he is out of gas. Eli Gold reported a little puff of smoke out of the car or something down in turn number one. But at any rate, he's made it back to the pits, and we're watching the car now to see if they go to the pits and maybe put some gas in it or if he makes that left turn and heads for the garage area. And Ed Jarrett will be standing by if he goes in the garage, and apparently he is taking the car to the garage area, and Ron Bouchard will be out of it for the afternoon, apparently. More pit stops are continuing. Rusty Wallace is on pit road. Phil Parsons brings his car in, the Piedmont Airlines car of Terry Labonte, also making a routine stop at 107 laps here at Pocono. Jeff Bodine continues to lead the Vanscoy Diamond Mine 500. Let's go to Eli Gold in turn one. Well, Jeff Bodine is continuing to work his way through the racetrack. There are a number of other cars that are competing well enough. Uh, Buddy Baker, he's had his hands full with somebody all day. Right now, he and Kyle Petty, although I don't believe they're on the same lap count, they are having a pretty spirited battle. Bobby Allison and Neil Bonnet have worked through. We've not talked much of Steve Gray. That car has been working off the corner, smoking a bit, but he stays along as the leader is on pit road, we understand. Jeff Bodine is going to get left side tires on his Levi Garrett Chevrolet from Harry Hyde and the crew. Harry takes a walk around and takes a look at the right side tires as they fuel up Bodine's car. Here's Bobby Hill and Dave Marcus and Lake Speed on pit road at the same time. Car still in the air. Let's see if Ned Jarrett's nearby. Of course, those are all scheduled pit stops that they're making right now, Mike Joy. We're standing beside uh, Ron Bichard. The Valvoline Buick he has coasted into the garage area here. One of the crew members has the hood up. Ron, what's wrong? Well, we're not showing that. It felt like something broke inside the engine. Well, I'll tell you, we've been out talking to you too often here on Sunday afternoon. Well, I guess. You know, every every race, it seems like we always have something happen. Uh, it's got to quit pretty soon. Well, it looked like the car was running well out there, but you can hear that dejection in his voice. There are a lot of teams having the same problem that Ron Bouchard is having that have had success in recent years, but this year it has just not everything gone their way. We're talking as we came on the air this afternoon about how many drivers had not won a race in 1985. Jeff Bodine has yet to win. Tim Richmond has not won. Neither has Ricky Rudd or Kyle Petty or Cale Yarborough. Bobby Allison, Buddy Baker, Ron Bouchard, Rusty Wallace and Lake Speed and Benny Parson. Let's go to Eli Gold. Harry Labonte will not win this one here in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania. Plumes of smoke from behind the Piedmont Airlines car number 44. He is well on the apron of the racetrack. Of course, that's the racing groove here. He is out of everybody's way, but a lot of smoke from behind Terry Labonte's car. And on pit road, trouble getting uh, Bobby Hillen down pit road and refired. And here's Jimmy Means' car which had coasted to a stop right in the center of pit road. Now they'll get him off to the side and get him serviced as Bobby Allison whistles down pit road and Bill Elliott gets left side tires on the Coors Melling Ford. Bill Elliott had a long, long pit stop. He had trouble getting in. There was a car leaving in front of him, and the crew was out picking up the tires, and he had to stop and dodge them. So uh, that's going to set him back just a little bit. We'll have to see when they measure up on the racetrack because Jeff just pitted just a couple laps ago, and I figured that Elliott could probably run till about 111, 112. So uh, maybe they're getting a little more conservative now could have also maybe had a little concern with his tires up there when the car kicked out on him a moment ago. Well, they could have, and like a while ago, when uh, when Jeff pitted so much earlier than they did, uh, it'd give him a chance to run on brand new tires for a while. Here is Terry Labonte coasting on to pit road off turn number three. He'll make it to his pit stall or to the garage at his choosing without a problem. 110 laps are complete. 
Darrell Waltrip is the leader, waiting for Waltrip to make his pit stop. Bodine has been in, and Bodine gets back on the racetrack in second place. Here's Buddy Baker on pit road, and look at Labonte's car. Makes that sharp left turn into the garage, leaves just 27 cars on the racetrack at Pocono. So the attrition rate is going to be high here this afternoon. We're just 10 laps past the halfway mark with 90 laps remaining here this afternoon in the Vanskoy Diamond Mine 500. Buddy Baker getting pit service from Robert Harrington and the crew on that Bullfrog and Liquid Wrench car. And Baker is also hoping to get things turned around in the second half of the season as they make the second stop on most of the Winston Cup racetracks. Waltrip now being posted as the leader after this round of stops. Well, I've had a good day today. I'll tell you, I've lost three mics here. I uh, had three pools, and, uh, and that finished off my third pool. They're all in the garage now, so uh, uh, my day hasn't been too well either. Well, you've had a day in the Pocono zone, that's for sure. If you're listening and just joined our broadcast, the voice that was just talking, of course, is Dick Brooks, who's doing some color work for us here on the Motor Racing Network this afternoon. With 111 laps down, just about all the front runners have been on pit road. Let's go to Ned Jarrett. For the 1984 NASCAR Winston Cup champion, Terry Labonte has coasted into the garage area here with the Piedmont Airlines A&W Anderson and Webb Trucking Company car. Was it the engine, Terry? I don't know. It, uh, I guess we got an oil leak because it started smoking a little bit and it just kind of cut off. Well, it's quite a difference from a week ago today when you were in Riverside, California. <laughs> well, it sure is. You know, uh, just got to take the good with the bad or the bad with the good, however it goes. Well, the bad came today. The good was last Sunday in Riverside. Boy, Terry's a real talker, isn't he? <laughs> he really lays it out. I don't know. I had an oil leak, he said. Can't say much when you're in the garage. And, Ned, I don't think we've seen such a day like this all season long with so many cars in the garage so early. I'll tell you, it's interesting. You go through some races, and you only have two or three cars fall out of the race. And then, then like today, you just have a rash of them. And as Barney mentioned a moment ago, we have been seeing a lot of engine problems. But let's cover the pit stop up there at Darrell Walter first. Right side tires on the Junior Johnson owned Budweiser Chevrolet. Jeff Hammond and crew giving it the attention as the pit board goes out for his teammate, Neil Bonnet. They keep the right side of that car up in the air until they're finished gassing it. When the car drops on wheels, that's Waltrip's signal to go. 14.2 seconds, and here's Neil Bonnet in for his scheduled service. 112 laps complete at Pocono. 1983 World 600, Neil Bonnet. 1980 Southern 500, Terry Labonte. 1979 Daytona 500, Richard Petty. Since Union 76 began its association with NASCAR racing way back in 1951, 1975, more drivers have run on Union gasoline than any other. More winners have run on Union gasoline than any other. 1982 World 600, Neil Bonnet. 1981 Daytona 500, Richard Petty. 1977. For 32 years. For hundreds of NASCAR victories. The fuel with the winning spirit has been Union 76. Richard Petty. The same winning spirit your car gets every time you pull out of a Union 76 station. Go with the spirit. The winning spirit. Straight up 76. Tuesday night on NASCAR Live, two of Eli Gold's guests will be Sam Ard, the Winston late model sportsman champion of NASCAR who just announced his retirement to become team manager for driver Charlie Luck. Those two gentlemen will be on NASCAR Live, and you can call in your questions to them toll-free on most of these MRN stations at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time this Tuesday night. 113 laps complete. It's Bodine in the lead. Waltrip in second. That pit stop of Elliott's dropped him to third with Harry Gant fourth at Pocono International Raceway. This is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. 
Back at Pocono with 114 laps complete here this afternoon. It's been one of the strangest races we've seen at this track in a great number of years. Usually the field is pretty well hooked up together here. There'll be 10, 12, 15 car drafts. We've had some good four car drafts in the early going this afternoon, but once they made that first round of pit stops and the field pretty well became strung out all day long, they pretty well stayed that way right now. Jeff Bodine is the leader. Darrell Walter being posted in the number two position. Bill Elliott is far back in third spot, and the reason we understand that he is so far back, Ned Jarrett, we were not paying that much attention during that particular round of pit stops, but we understand he made a four-tire change. Yes, he did, Barney Hall. He took on four where the other just took on two. Of course, that should give him some extra speed on the racetrack because normally when you put four fresh tires on, it really picks you up. And, of course, they've had to make all of their stops under the green, and I suspect that we'll see more four-tire changes maybe from others if we continue to run under the green. The record here at Pocono International Raceway set in 1978 in the Light Cola 500. Just one caution flag in that one. Not surprisingly, it's the fastest race run here. 142 miles an hour was the average speed of that one. NASCAR right now showing only five cars on the lead lap, and one of them is on pit road. Ned? Benny Parsons in the Copenhagen Chevrolet getting right side tires on his car. Of course, this would be a scheduled pit stop for him as well. He is, uh, thought they were coming around for left side, and yes, they are. So he's going to take on all four tires, too. So Jeff Bodine, the leader, just goes by, and he has the biggest lead that we've seen here this afternoon. Darrell Waltrip is a little better than a half a straightaway behind as they move up to Eli Gold. Darrell Waltrip has been running basically by his lonesome, but then again, so is Jeff Bodine. Nobody has really had a drafting partner here for the longest time. Everybody visually taking the same groove as they have, although the groove has moved up maybe a half car length here in turn number one. Bill Elliott is within shouting distance of Darrell Waltrip, but it's a good four and a half seconds back. On our Timex stopwatches, Jeff Bodine running about a minute, two seconds per lap. Bill Elliott a little bit faster than that, about eight-tenths of a second faster, slowly chipping away at Jeff Bodine's lead. Elliott now into turn two as Jeff Bodine is making his way into turn three. Jeff Bodine just exiting turn three now, about I should say about midway through and exiting. As we look back down the track, here's Waltrip just coming into the third turn, and Elliott is closing ground on Waltrip. Well, the car that sat on the pole here by about 13 one-hundredths of a second, once again, apparently the fastest car on the racetrack. Those four fresh tires will help do that. But as Bodine rounds down toward turn number one, here is Waltrip, the second-place car across the start-finish stripe. And to check it here at start-finish, 3.1 seconds is the gap from second back to third. As the leader goes to Eli Gold. So as Jeff Bodine comes off the number one corner, Darrell Waltrip, as you hear, just going by us. And that was Bill Elliott, whose roar of engines you just heard going by. So that's basically the separation. It is some three seconds each way from first to second, then second to third. Leader Jeff Bodine will be working on three slower cars in a few laps. Ricky Rudd, Clark Dwyer, and Lake Speed lie up ahead by some 10 or 10, by about 10 car lengths. As now Bodine working down the short straightaway, heading for turn three. Bodine just running fine all by himself out here into the turn. And you can look back to the exit of turn two and see Darrell Waltrip coming off. And he'll have to move up around Kyle Petty and Rusty Wallace here in another lap or two if he wants to gain some ground. And Elliott has clear sailing to track down Waltrip. With 117 laps in the record book here at Pocono this afternoon, we're caution-free all the way in this race. And the speed has been a quick one. It was over 145 miles an hour average at about the halfway mark is the fact it was 145.489 miles an hour and if they keep going under green it'll certainly be a record speed here this afternoon again it is Bodine the leader riding second Darrell Waltrip third is Bill Elliott the fourth place belongs to Harry Gant fifth is Cale Yarborough Benny Parsons made that pit stop but did not go a lap down he was in sixth position and those are the only cars being posted on the lead lap 
Harry Gant has had four second-place finishes in 1985. It's very reminiscent of a year ago when he had six second-place finishes, and they called him second-place Harry even in the start of his career. He was always running right behind the winner, just couldn't seem to win a race. I caught up with him in the garage area here this weekend, and he reflected a little bit about that. People, he says, are always saying, well, I bet you get disgusted finishing second and whatever, and he said, really, we should have won some more races. Yeah, uh, You know, we should have won some more, I reckon. Uh, we had a little trouble here and there, and last Sunday at Riverside, I thought we... You know, we were the last caution. I thought we were last pissed off. I thought we had it made before that, you know, but uh, we somehow another we got behind there and uh, Terry made up a lot of good time on them four new tires and then which that in turn made us have to put four tires on. But uh, you know, we never had finished a race in Riverside with everything working, but this is the first one we did. But Harry Gant, his thoughts about his second place finishes, but his crew chief, Travis Carter, said yesterday in the garage, some of the press people were talking to him down there, and he said, I'd like to know that we could finish second every race that we go to. I'd settle for that. But the name of the game is winning. He also runs strong here. He's still got a good shot to win. 119 laps are down. Gant currently posted in the fourth position. From Pocono International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Today's Vanscoy 500 is brought to you by Anheuser-Busch, brewers of Bush beer. Head for the mountains of Bush by STP Corporation. Depend on proven performance. STP, your car care company. By Piedmont Airlines, the up-and-coming airlines. By Skoll, moist smokeless tobacco. A pinch is all it takes. By Pontiac. At Pontiac, we build excitement. By Wrangler Brand. Live it to the limit in Wrangler. By Levi Garrett Chewing Tobacco. Time after time, the quality comes through. By Timex Watches, the official timekeeper of NASCAR. By Union Oil Company, the winning spirit rides with you every time. And by Ocean's 11 Resorts on beautiful Daytona Beach. At the Pocono International Raceway, 121 laps are down. We're 21 laps past the half halfway mark. That means there's 79 left to go here this afternoon in one of the strangest races we have ever seen at this racetrack. If you've just joined our broadcast, we've been caution-free thus far, and the field has been as strung out around here as we have seen in a long, long time. Been some good running up front for the lead, and the quickest car on the speedway right now is Bill Elliott. He's back in third position, but Mike Joy has had the stopwatch on him, and if he's coming up as fast as it appears he is, there's some smoke coming out of the Timex watch. Barney, the Elliott Express, <laughs> it's right back on track and on time. He is gaining, he was gaining at a half a second a lap, and now he gained eight-tenths of a second the last lap. He's just .9 seconds behind Waldrop at turn one. And the reason for that big gain on the last lap was race traffic, as Darrell had trouble not getting by Kyle Petty, but working his way around Rusty Wallace. So that's allowed Bill Elliott to draw to within about 12 to 13 car lanes off turn one. Walters Budweiser Chevrolet leads that little shunt of four cars. Kyle Petty now drops to the inside and gets out of the way. So now only Rusty Wallace separates Bill Elliott and Darrell Waltrip. Now back in the line is Kyle Petty behind Elliott as they exit turn two. But Waltrip lost some ground on your leader Jeff Bodine in the process and now here's Elliott swinging out to the inside to get around Rusty Wallace. He'll take a spot away from Wallace and now he's about ten car lengths behind Waltrip coming out of turn three. Well one thing about uh, what Ernie Elliott did with, uh, with the nine car was just they, you run and run and run here, and uh, it's a long, long racetrack. You, you enter the turns down in turn one very, very quick, and if you have a tire problem, it could, it could cost you a car or anything else. So I think they felt that 
if a caution come out, it didn't make any difference whether they were a half a lap behind or a lap behind, or I mean a half a lap behind or a long ways behind. If they put on four fresh tires, they would run a little bit quicker and they would have a whole new restart. These guys are stretching these tires a long, long ways, running 100 miles on each one of them. And then they're actually running almost 200 miles on each side. And uh, that's stretching them a long, long way. So by what they've done, if there is a caution, it hasn't changed anything. If it's not a caution and they can run it back down, then they're that much fresher on their tires. And uh, I think it's a very, very good move. Plus the fact, Dick, that because of the tire rule now that they can only change two tires during a caution, that would put them in a much better shape than everybody else. And you don't lose a lap here when you're running up front like that. You can take on all four tires. And if that caution does come out, well, see, they can put on uh, two tires. Everybody else will put on two, but they're going to have two old ones on where the Elliots are going to have two relatively fresh tires on. I think it was a very good move. And Elliot has run down Darrell Walter. He will uh, he'll pass him going into the first turn. And, and uh, uh, so they picked up all they've lost on Walter, they picked it back up uh, and they've got uh, fresher tires on and Walter does so I think the strategy that they used was great those guys have really done their homework not only on their car not only on the engine but uh, they're putting together some good pit stops and some awful good pit strategy too they've just basically got the whole thing put together Bill Elliott's gone into second position Mike Joy's what 9.5 seconds behind the leader right now and he'll be chasing him down and the way he's coming around this racetrack he'll be making up an awful lot of ground on leader Jeff Bodine 124 laps are complete here at Pocono, caution-free thus far. As Bodine winds his way around here looking for his first win in 1985, they've been awfully disappointed that they haven't won before. But you could hear the the kind of jubilation in Harry Hyde's voice a couple of times that Ned Jarrett has talked to him today. He is as loose as a goose, as they say here this weekend, and they felt like they could come here and beat anybody in the field. And the way he's been getting around here, he's certainly got a good shot to do it. He's took $10,000 away from Bill Elliott on lap 100 in that Barclays American $10,000 award. So as a couple of our people pointed out, those two cars very equal. You're right. Harry is about as loose as, he, as I've ever seen him. I walked through the garage this morning, and he come and talked to me, and he's never done that before. <laughs> he's always growled or moaned or groaned, and uh, and he was uh, he was very loose this morning, and he still is, and, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're doing a good shot. Well, that extends to the whole team. I noticed yesterday that of all the teams that have not won a race this year but have been expected to, that's the only team that's not walking on pins and needles in the garage. I mean, they know they're due to win. They know it's going to happen. If not today, maybe next week or down the road, but they know they're as close as they can get without getting into victory lane, and it's not tearing them up like it is some teams. Well, I was involved with that team at the World 600 in Charlotte uh, driving a car that uh, Rick had put together with Exxon uh, Motor Oil, and... Uh, uh, so I got to spend a couple weeks with those guys, and uh, and Rick Hendrick had been over there a little bit, and he had been shaking his finger a little bit, and he's been very successful. Uh, my competitor with Honda, Honda cars, you know, <laughs> all around me actually, and and uh, uh, and he d- he doesn't want to be non-competitive with this. He's going to do it the best he can, and and uh, and he was over shaking his fingers a little bit, and they were working in the engine department all night long, and uh, and they were stronger. They felt they were strong at Charlotte, which they did run well, and uh, and they're running extremely well here. Well, a lot of people were not sure when Rick Hendricks came into Grand National Racing whether it would be a one-year deal or just maybe a shot in the dark or kind of something to see if he liked it or didn't like it. But everybody that knew the man said they are here to stay. They are a race team. They're going to build it, and they're going to build a race team that will be a winning team, and they'll be around for a long, long time. And apparently that's exactly the case over there because they have been very successful the first year, Bodine winning two races. They have the ingredients, and the chemistry seems to be there between Hardcastle and McCormick, as they say, between Jeff young Jeff Bodine and Harry. Let's take you back through the field at 120 laps. Right now we're posting 127 
on the board and the gap between the lead cars right now it's stretched out by a second last time by Bodine is the leader in second now is Bill Elliott he's passed Darrell Waltrip who lies third fourth is Harry Gann and fifth is Cale Yarborough one lap back Phil Parsons is sixth Tim Richmond is seventh Benny Parsons is eighth ninth is Neil Bonnet tenth is Bobby Allison eleventh is Buddy Baker and twelfth is Ricky Rudd two laps back 13th is Rusty Wallace 14th that's Kyle Petty 15th is Dave Marcus and 16th Bobby Hillen three laps down 17th is Lake Speed 18th is Ken Schrader 19th is Lenny Pond and 20th is Greg Sachs five or more laps behind 21st the Mike Potter automobile 22nd Buddy Arrington 23rd Clark Dwyer 24th Jimmy Means and 25th Bobby Walwack 127 laps now on the board in the Vanscoy 500 Bill Elliott just passing the start finish line to put lap 130 on the board as he's trying to chase down the leader Jeff Bodine Waltrip still rides third Harry Gant is fourth fifth place car Cale Yarborough and they were all on the lead lap just a moment ago at the end of 130 laps. Pretty good race going on between Buddy Baker and Bobby Allison. That would be for about 10th position as they work their way around the racetrack. Let's go up to Eli Gold in turn one. You know, we were talking about Buddy Baker so often today, and now so many guys are out there running by themselves. They can't find anybody to draft with. There's been a lot of uh, equal spacing, if you will, between these cars, and there's the case of Buddy Baker. All day long, he's been racing with somebody, but the drivers will tell you that that makes the day go by all that much more quickly as opposed to just sitting there and watching one lap after the next, after the next, tick off the scoreboard. Well, here's Bodine off turn number three, back to the start-finish line to put the 131st lap on the board. And Bill Elliott does not appear to be gaining ground on him anymore. Elliott comes off turn number three, and it's more than half a straightaway now. Bodine's advantage. Elliott dra drafts off Greg Sachs. It's now about 9.1 seconds. Savarnia that remain has remained constant over the last three or four laps. Well, both of the crew chiefs on those cars, Ernie Elliott and Harry Hyde, might have been correct in their assumption that Ed Jarrett that they felt like the two cars were pretty equal because the times that they have done some door-to-door -door and side-by-side -side racing and nose-to-tail here this afternoon, neither one has really shown that much superiority. Elliott, of course, having plenty of horsepower to move in the straightaways, but Bodine's strong suit, and Dick, I think you'll agree with this, certainly will be up in turn three. He is able to put the car right at the bottom of the racetrack, stick it out in the grass as you would, and that seems to be the way to get around here. Well, that was the quickest thing that he was doing early in the race when he was having to pass the first two or three cars. Going into the first and second turn, he was just, uh, you know, ho-hum, mediocre, held his, held his own, but he was strong going into the third turn and coming off of it, so... Uh, uh, and that proved to be uh, coming down for the $10,000 one. He lost the lost the lead going into the first turn, and he gained it back going into the third turn. So he's been strong over there all day. It's going to be interesting uh, to see him and Elliott run for the lead if they if it comes down to that on the 200 cap. You, know you know what a funny racetrack this is? Places like Dover, you wish the racetrack was a lane wider because cars are up almost uh, scraping the ground, wider on the outside. Here... You almost wish the track was a lane wider on the inside because everybody cuts those left wheels in the grass. They say that is a quick way. Of the, when Harry Gant won here last year, he told us after the race that he knew within 50 laps that he was going to win the race because he was able to run the car so low on the racetrack, not only down in turn one, but coming through turn number three. The separation between first and second is 9.4 seconds right now as Bill Elliott continues to reel in the leader, Jeff Bodine. Not that much each time around, but he's picked up a couple of tenths for the last two laps around here. Talking to Daryl Waltrip and Terry Labonte in uh, different situations in race cars, and Dick, you can comment on this in a minute also. I think it's very interesting. 
when you play golf and you hit a golf ball and it's hooking right or left, you'll, you'll hear the golfer saying, come right or come left or do this or do that. We wondered if a race driver talked to his race car. I asked Darrell Waltrip about that yesterday. Do you talk to your car? I do. I've always talked to mine. Uh, you know, it, I guess really you're talking to yourself, but uh, you're relaying it to the car. I had my mic on my radio to hang open, uh, key open a few years ago, and uh, I had the whole fifth in stitches. I was telling the car not to push, not to get loose, and come on, baby, let's go, and was really doing a lot of serious talking to it, and the boys in the pit were hearing it, and they were cracking up. Terry Labonte had some thoughts on it. I asked him the same question. Do you talk to your race car sometimes? I call it a few names every now and then, but uh, uh, that's about all, probably. Dick, yeah, I know you do. You talk to yours, I'm sure. Man, I've said things to mine that I, uh, only the Lord heard, and I wished he hadn't heard it. I'll tell you, I, I, uh, you know, I, uh, last year I did an awful lot of races with the uh, with the MRN mic in the car, and uh, and every once in a while I would uh, wake up in the middle of the night dreaming of that mic being stuck and me telling my car what I wanted it to do and everybody, a whole world being able to hear it, you know. <laughs> so sure you talk to it. It's, uh, you know, you get in a corner and you, uh, total concentration is what really makes it work, and, and and you get in the corner and, and you do it just exactly right, uh, then you talk to yourself all the way back around to that point again, saying, okay, i got to do that exactly the same way again. And when you get there, say, come on, baby, this is the way it was last time. Let's do it again. And then you get that one down, and you go to the next corner, and you do the same thing. And, and then if the thing moves, you change tires, and you go back out there, and you go, whoo, man, here, it don't work like that no more, so you got to hunt for it again. Well, I think anybody at home can relate to that. You know, you drive down the freeway. If your car strikes a miss, you'll talk to it. You talk to the other drivers in traffic. I know you do. I know everybody does. You know, talks to the guy ahead of you that makes a dumb move, and I guess the same thing happens on the racetrack as well. Yeah, all the talking and the hand signs and all that stuff, you know. You, an awful lot of guys out there seem to think they're number one from all the signs they give you. We, so We can't do hand so. signs on the radio. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, it's uh, but you do talk to it. Naturally, you're, you know, you're out there for four hours, and uh, uh, if you didn't talk to your car, you'd probably scream. So, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of concentration, like I was saying earlier and a lot of things that you want to do right and when you do it right you want to talk to yourself to make sure you don't forget how to do it and when you're not doing it right you talk to yourself to tell you that uh, just to remind yourself that how big a fool you are that you ought to get to doing it right perfect day for racing here at pocono it's 135 laps into the event 65 to go for the winston cup grand national drivers jeff bodine is still the leader he's ahead of bill elliott by about eight and a half seconds the third place car is darrell waltrip and fourth is harry gant At Pocono International Raceway, 138 laps complete in the Vanskoy 500. 200 make up the distance this afternoon. We'll see some regular pit stops coming up in just a moment. Ricky Rudd has made one just a moment ago, and Kyle Petty also making his stop, and we'll see most of the front runners in the pits here in just a few moments. No change in those front five. It's still Bodine in front, Elliott riding second. In fact, Elliott's lost about a half a second again. He was up there within eight and a half seconds of the leader a moment ago. Now he's fallen back a bit to about a little over nine seconds. Darrell Waltrip still being posted third. Fourth place car is Harry Gant, and they are being shown on the lead lap along with Cale Yarborough, who currently is in fifth position. Ned Jarrett is making his way around the pits to cover some of those stops. Uh, just a moment ago, Kyle Petty was on pit road. A lot of people really feel that Kyle will kind of come into his own as a race driver this year. He's had some good finishes. Finished second at Talladega a few weeks ago in that Winston 500, beating Cale Yarborough on that final lap down of the line. Ned is making his way up to Leonard Wood right now. A lot of people were curious. They didn't think that a young driver like Kyle 
who has just passed his 21st birthday not too long ago, could maybe make it with the Wood Brothers, who've been racing so long. There's a big age difference in that team as far as the, the man who calls the shots on the car and the driver. Ned Jarrett is there to talk about that. Barney, first, let's uh, check with Leonard. They had the hood up during this last pit stop. Is there a problem? Yes, it's been pushed the front end all day, and we're just trying to take a little weight out, see if we can have it a little bit. Okay, of course, Kyle drives a 7-11 Ford. Leonard, there's, there's quite a difference in the in your age and Kyle Petty. When you had David Pearson and Cale Yarbrough and others, they were near your age. Is there any kind of a communications gap between you? I don't think so. Uh, you know, he works, he works real well with me. And, responds to all the questions I asked him, you know, and he seems to do a real good job at uh, telling me what's wrong, but uh, this time I just started pushing the front end a little bit since it got cloudy, you know. Have you been surprised at how much he knows about a race car? Well, I think he knows a, a lot about a race car. I guess, you know, growing up with it and everything, he would have to know a lot, you know, with his father being in it so long, but uh, he does know a little more than I thought he would. Well, he's uh, has fit in real well with this team, Barney. Many people think they'll win a race. Kyle himself feels like they could win at least two or three races this year, and the way he's been running, I'd say he could. Well, I think he could. I think um, there was a very big possibility. Woods certainly know how to win races, and they know how to talk to their driver to, to help him help somebody like Kyle win races. I wish I had a, had that kind of a start when I was Kyle's age. Uh, they had a race out here with uh, with the uh, some Pontiacs, earlier and the wives and girlfriends and uh, wives that wanted to be girlfriends and girlfriends that wanted to be wives and stuff of all the crews and what have you they they got to do some racing and and uh, patty petty won it and uh, they live on the same lake as we do in baden lake up in new london north carolina and and uh, so they were the house occasionally whatever they got two boys that just they just they're something else i mean they're bouncing around all the time or jumping in the water or catching fish with their hands and stuff and and uh, patty said good gosh if you can tell them that your mama won the race. <laughs> she said, it'll make my day. So here it is. Your mama won the race. Let's let her tell it. We're standing right beside her, Patty. Patty, you told me that Adam wouldn't believe that you won that race. No, I had told them all that I was going to race up here on Sunday, and they said there wasn't any way that I'd do as good as Kyle, but I think I'm going to beat him today, Ned. Now, Kyle told me right before the race started that you was over there talking to Leonard Wood. He's wondering if he's trying to take his job. I think I'll sit here and hope he needs relief. It was really fun. I enjoyed racing, and it's always fun when you win. Well, congratulations. Well, it was a good deal for the wives to get in the cars and kind of run down the front straightaway here and make the runs around the pylons to feel like they're a part of the deal and maybe get an idea of what their husbands go through out here for 500 miles on Sunday afternoon, even though their run only lasted about a minute or so. Of course, they didn't do it in Grand National cars now. They did it in identically prepared uh, V6 Pontiac Fiero GTs, but still the slalom course. I guess Paula Flemke, Paula Flemke Bouchard now finished in the second spot. Her dad was a modified champion, Ed Flemke, and uh, Although Paula is eight and a half months pregnant, she wheeled that thing. Good thing those things have tilt wheels. She wheeled it around pretty good and took the second spot. She won it last year. Well, I think the reason that she did so well, it was two of them doing it. You know, <laughs> she, she had a co-pilot. The rest of them had to do it on her own. Let's update you on some of the cars that have made pit stops here in the last few minutes. Of course, Ricky Rudd pitted on lap 138. We're at 142 right now. Kyle Petty, Petty made his stop. You heard Ned talking with Leonard Wood that they didn't have any major problems on that car. Harry Gant brought the Skull Bandit in on lap 141. Tim Richmond also pitted at lap 41, as did Rusty Wallace. We'll see the other front runners coming in. Jeff Bodine, Bill Elliott, they ride first and second. Walter Pastille posted third, and Cale Yarborough has now moved up into the fourth position. That 10th place battle is still a good one. Bobby 
Allison just went past Buddy Baker coming down the front straightaway. That's Buick against Oldsmobile. And though not for the lead, those two, have, as Eli said, Baker's been battling with somebody all day long. This time it's Allison. Allison takes the spot away. Good good tussle there, though it's not for one of the front spots. They're over in turn one. As a matter of fact, basically every time by, a different guy is leading. Buddy Baker really snookered Bobby Allison up in turn one. Oh, about five or six laps ago, and Bobby had to go way high, and Buddy snuck beneath them. Next time they came by, Bobby was back in front again. They're running bumper to bumper down in turn number two. The Miller American Buick leading that Bullfrog Nitz Oldsmobile. Also pretty good battle behind them. Ricky Rudd, Tim Richmond, and Benny Parsons have been circulating around this two-and-a-half-mile super speedway. Bumper to bumper, swapping the spots back and forth. And even though they're not racing for the win, you couldn't tell it by the way they're driving. They're all having a good time working with each other to keep getting around the racetrack. Another one of the battles that's been uh, watched besides those two has been the one, as we mentioned, between Allison and... Uh, Baker, this time it, Allison is leading it, but Baker's been really giving a lot of pressure on his back bumper when they come through the turn over here. We're 144 laps into the Van Scoy 500 here at Pocono Raceway on an overcast day, and there could be a threat of some weather here before this one's over this afternoon. Jeff Bodine relinquishes the lead as he makes his pit stop. Let's go to Ned. Had to change right side tires, filled it up with gasoline. Good pit stop for him, Mike Joy. A little farther down pit road, Buddy Baker had just made a pit stop in the Bullfrog Nitz liquid wrench car. And they'll have to make one more pit stop. Elliott is going to have to stop before too long. He couldn't get a good gas mileage, but when he came in and changed all four tires, he came in a little bit earlier than did Darrell Waltrip. It's going to be interesting to see if Waltrip can stretch it, maybe, and just go the rest of the way on one more pit stop. We had Bodine on the watch here in the tower, 13.6 seconds on the pit stop, and get a look at Elliott when he comes by. Elliott comes across the start-finish line and goes back to turn one. Bill Elliott right now sandwiched in between Tim Richmond and Bobby Allison. Richmond had for a moment joined that fray with Allison and Baker. Then Buddy went to the pits, and right in the middle of it all is Bill Elliott. Bill Elliott now drops down to the inside. He'll try to dispose of the old Milwaukee Pontiac of Tim Richmond. He pulls up beside him now. Richmond is pinned up against the outside retaining wall. Elliott now cuts in front of him as they dive to the bottom of the racetrack in turn two. Elliott now has a free track ahead to try to chase down Elliot made the pass and immediately started pulling away from Richmond. He's rushing up through this Blakesley backstretch area and comes into the turn, works his way around the street. Steve Gray car, gets a little bit loose, has to correct and get it back, and he'll be running up behind Jimmy Means shortly. Quite a few of the cars we haven't talked about are still very much in the hunt here this afternoon and should come home with some good finishes. Clark Dwyer is still out there running strong. Jimmy Means is having a pretty good run here today. Bobby Walwack is still very much in the thick of this thing. He's been posted around the 20th or 21st position on a couple of occasions. And Lenny Pond still out there, along with Lake Speed. If you fans are wondering what happened to him, he lost some time, quite a bit of time, on pit road in the early going here this afternoon and has not made it up into the top ten. And Dave Marcus having a good run, as he always does here at Pocono. He's been up as high as about 12th position on a couple of occasions. The last rundown we had with Marcus in that uh, rundown was at about 15th spot. An interesting story on Marcus, Barney. While a number of the top teams now have major sponsors and associate sponsors, Marcus has got company names from all around the nation on that race car. We're fortunate to have people helping us. Uh, AEL Equipment and Storage Rentals out of uh, Massachusetts. Uh, his name's Dave Pritchard. He came to a race at Dover several years ago and uh, said, uh, I talked to one of the crew members and said that when we come back next race, how about give him a call? He'd like to help us out with tires. A little more on that a bit later on as the leader is on pit road and Ned Jarrett's there. And they changed the all four tires the last time, Mike Joy. I suspect they'll just go to the right side this time. He comes into the pit. Very good straight line. He, he 
comes down at a good speed, but one that he can control, and that's all important when you're making a pit stop is not only how long you're stopped in the pit, but how you get there and how you leave. They've already changed the right side tires. They filled it up with gas, and he's gone. Good stop for Bill Elliott and the Coors Melling Ford as he drops the jack on the car and heads back onto the racetrack. It's becoming very overcast here, the ceiling lowering considerably, and there's a possibility of some shower activity here, not that, all that much early this morning in the forecast, but right now it looks like on the horizon there could be some wet weather around here before the day is gone. Again, we were talking to Dave Marcus, and the point to make with Marcus, he's one of the independents on the tour. He has several small sponsors, no real major sponsor, but he's shown that every sponsor he's ever had he's always kept a good working relationship with and he's kept those people with him on the car as he continues to explain that's been three years ago he's been helping us ever since and it's it's a great help to us uh chuck walters from transmissions unlimited up in utica michigan has been helping us probably for about six or seven years now uh, he used to help another independent on the circuit that was cecil borden at one time and uh Chuck uh, is just a small business, but he, you know, he helps us all he can, uh, gets pistons from Diamond Engineering and stuff like that. So it's uh, the Chevrolet dealer from uh, Wisconsin, Larry Wears. Uh, he's been helping me really since I came to NASCAR in 1968. He was uh, really bought my first Grand National race car from Don Biederman. The point Marcus makes, if you work with a sponsor, treat him right. He gets his money worth. You can keep him for a long time. We've got trouble on the back straightaway. One car apparently has had a tire go down. The frame of the car and the body of the car have slammed to the asphalt surface. They're rubbing the fender. It is the right front tire of Dave Marcus has come out from underneath the race car. Something is broken in that front end. He goes by in turn number two. A shower of sparks on that race car as the leaders go flying by. What a tough break for Dave Marcus just as we're talking about the success that he has had over the years. You can see the sparks flying out from under that car. He's going to try to nurse it back to pit road, and the leader is in the pits, Darrell Waltrip. Let's go to Ned Jarrett. Well, the speculation that I had that he might be able to go all the way goes out the window, Barney, because he's got uh, about 50 laps to go, and he can't make it from here. They're changing left side tires on it. Junior Johnson is over on the right side of the car making a chassis adjustment on the Budweiser Chevrolet. Good pit stop. He has that service as he goes. He took on right side tires. At the same time, Bobby Allison was in. He also took on right side tires. Might have been the fastest stop of the day here at Pocono. 11.53 seconds for Darrell Waltrip and the Budweiser team of Junior Johnson as Dave Marcus nurses his car onto pit road at lap 151. Ned will be there to get a word with him and find out what happened, at least with his crew chief, when we come back. From Pocono International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. We're back at the Pocono International Raceway. Just about all the front runners have been on pit road, but there will be at least one more round of pit stops here. J.D. McDuffie and the Lockhart Ford and Rumpel Furniture Company machine making his stop as he comes on pit road. Dave Marcus's car still being attended to down on the pits, and they were doing some work on the right front end of that car. Something broke there. Ned Jarrett still making his way up there, and we'll get the story on the Dave Marcus machine here in just a few moments. Feel pretty well jumbled up and spread out around here at Pocono. You just joined our broadcast. We have 47 laps remaining, and thus far through the 153 laps we've completed, we have been caution-free here today. Benny Parsons making a stop in the Copenhagen car also. Barney, they thought they had Marcus' car repaired, put a right front tire on it, dropped it down off the jack, and it ended up in just the same attitude as it was before. Uh, looked as if it might be a lower ball joint or lower A-frame, and Ned is now standing in their pits. Ned? 
Well, Dave, it looked like he was about to take his uh, helmet and equipment off. We can't get to the right side of the car. We're not permitted to go over the pit wall. Of course, the crew members are all over it. What, what is the problem with that car? He's got a thigh rod in or something right now. Okay, it's part of the undercarriage on the right front there. They're going to see if they can get it repaired and get him back out there. Of course, Marcus is fairly high in the Winston Cup points. He always finishes in the top 10 or 15 just about every year to have a good run, and they need to get back out there if there's any way to get this car repaired and stay in contention here and put as many laps and maybe post a couple of better finishing positions if there's any way possible. 154 laps are down. As we said, the field pretty well strung out here. The top four right now. Jeff Bonine still hanging out of the lead. Bill Elliott, who was chasing him down before this round of pit stops, still has to do the same thing all over again. Elliott's posted into the second position. Harry Gant is third. We haven't talked that much about Harry Gant here this afternoon, but the last three or four times they've been here, they've had it hooked up about as good as anybody that's come to Pocono. They won one of the races here last summer. And if he can get up there, if, if they do should have a caution flag before this race is over and get the field bunched up, it's really hard to tell if he would be in the ballpark along with Darrell Waltrip because we put the watches on him a couple of times around here and all four of those cars, the lap speeds are not that far off. The only two that we've seen do door-to-door -door racing that's in contention to win here at this stage would be Jeff Bodine and Bill Elliott. Gant's had some good success here, Barney. He won the fall, or the, well, the late summer race here last year, as you said. And he won his first Winston Cup pole position here when he was on the pole back in 1979 uh, for a race here at Pocono International Raceway. Work continues on the Marcus car. and but Mike, let's give you an update on that. Dave has gotten out of the car and is over there helping us to work on that right front. And we understand after talking with another of the crew members that the right front tire, he ran over something, cut it, blew the tire, and it knocked the ball joint off. And that's what uh, they're having to replace that, perhaps the spindle along with it. Well, at Talladega, he was running fifth on a lap by himself. At Daytona, he was ready for a good finish, and within 30 laps of the checkered flag, something came unglued, and that dark cloud continues to run right over the roof of Dave Marcus' race car. We pause 10 seconds on the Motor Racing Network for station identification. 155 laps are on the board here at Pocono International Raceway. Still, Jeff Bodine, the leader, as he crosses the start-finish line, and Mike Joy has the stopwatch out here to find out the separation back to Bill Elliott, and it's going to be a pretty healthy one as he comes across the line. Nearly a straightaway, Barney. It's still, you know, if Harry Hyde and, and Ernie Elliott, uh, Dick Brooks accused him of politicking before, I don't think so. They said the cars are pretty equal, and it's 8.7 seconds. It's just about the same as it was 10 laps ago from first to second spot. So either they're both holding back or they're both running flat out. Well, you would really like to see the field get bunched up here again and kind of see what some of the cars that have been running third, fourth, fifth, and sixth could do, and that situation can still happen this afternoon. 156 laps are down with Jeff Bodine pacing the way around. As the field is pretty well strung out, it'll give us a chance to talk with a team manager from R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Company on the Winston Racing Division, Bobby Maston. Bobby, you folks had a little excitement on the way up here bringing one of your Winston number 1 cars and the Winston scoreboard. It's something new for the fans this year. Yeah, we sure did, Barney. It was real unfortunate. Our um, our qualifying our qualifying board uh, uh, evidently we we lost the transmission and it uh, the transmission fluid boiled over and the uh, whole trailer caught fire. Uh, we understand from Marty Tharp that uh, he is going to be able to get that fixed up for us. So, so we should have it again by Daytona. It looks like Jerry Long is going to have to spend some of Bill Elliott's million dollars to replace <laughs> that. So that'll kind of upset him. Now, I think Jerry's going to hold on to that million because uh, he believes Bill Elliott still has a great chance to win it there at uh, Darlington for the Southern 500. Uh, maybe he can find some money somewhere else. 
I think they won't have any problem. But that the new scoreboard that you're talking about has been a great service to the fans this year. What it is is they have a scoreboard that they set up on pit road or somewhere in front of the grandstands during qualifying so the fans can keep up with it. Say they take 15 cars, they'll put all the 15 numbers on the board, and then they'll have the 15th place car. If he goes off the board, obviously he is bumped out of the first day's qualifying. And it's a, it's a pretty good service to the race fans. Uh, we have gotten a lot of good feedback from that, Barney. It has worked well on qualifying, and as you know, we use it also on Sunday to designate lap leaders and uh, Winston Cup bonus points. Uh, that's worked out well, too, to help the fans keep up with um, exactly who's leading Winston Cup points and uh, how they're picking those points up. Bill Elliott, meanwhile, has chopped Jeff Bodine's lead down by a second. It's now seven and a half seconds is the gap from first to second spot. And... Uh, our condolences to Marty Tharp and, of course, to you folks, and also pass along a kind word to Kirk Bryant, the son of Daryl Bryant, the crew chief on the Rusty Wallace car. There was an explosion at Kirk's race car garage down near Thomasville, North Carolina, and he lost the entire contents of the shop, we understand. Race car hauler, the race cars that were there that were being prepared for the Bush Late Model Sportsman Series. That's going to be quite a severe setback to Kirk Bryant's chances, but he's a competitor. We know that he'll be back and want to wish him well on his way to recouping and recovering his race team. Mike, one thing that's happened on that team, I was talking to Cliff Stewart this morning, and uh, they've turned over the car that they ran at Riverside last week to Kirk Bryant because he's uh, right up there in the thick of the battle in the ARCA standings. He's uh, the top rookie contender on that series this year, and so Cliff Stewart has come to his rescue at least as far as replacing one of the race cars. We'll take you back through the field a bit when we come back to Pocono International Raceway. Bill Elliott may have decided to get going with the program and trail checked, uh, track down Jeff Bodine at 7.49, seven and a half seconds. Effectively last time by, here's Bodine off turn number three. Only three turns here at Pocono International Raceway. One of the many strange things about this racetrack as opposed to the others on the Winston Cup circuit. And here comes Elliott down the front stretch as Bodine gets into turn one. Same gap, seven and a half seconds. That was Bodine just going by us. Of course, you talk about Bill Elliott merely being a half straightaway down to Jeff Bodine. Remember, the straightaway here is nine-tenths of a mile, so he's about a half mile behind Jeffrey and still a good bit of racetrack to catch up. But Elliott working awfully well off the corner. Left side tires in the grass, and he shoots off the number one turn. Make that gap for Jeff Bodine about 1,500 feet because as he is halfway down the long pond straightaway, Bill Elliott is making his exit from turn number one. Bodine's Levi Garrett Chevrolet out of turn number two. Here's Bill Elliott working on Greg Sachs in the cleaner hands formula. Chevrolet is trying to put him another lap down. The entire distance, the 1,800 feet of the short straightaway is the difference between Jeff Bodine and Bill Elliott now. Elliott closing in quickly on the bumper of Greg Sachs in the cleaner hands machine. And Elliott drifting through the turn just a little bit, getting through all right. We'll get by the Sachs car as he comes down the long straightaway. 163 laps are on the board here at Pocono as the leader works his way down into turn number one. Here comes Bill Elliott crossing the start-finish line. The separation is just about a half a front straightaway, which is one of the longest in the business. It would be fairly close to not quite a half mile separation between the two here at Pocono this afternoon. Long ways to go yet, and as Ned Jarrett pointed out, there will be one more round of pit stops, and that could change things considerably here at this racetrack. Some of the cars that are out of the event here this afternoon and could change the point standings a little bit. Terry Labonte has fallen to the wayside. He completed 104 laps, according to our rundown from scoring has gone out of the event here this afternoon, so Labonte has retired his car. So has the 47 car of Ron Bouchard. He is out of the event. Bill Scott is in the garage area. The STP Pontiac of Richard Petty has called it a day earlier here this afternoon. Eddie Beerswall, the rookie driver, also has parked his machine, as has Jerry Bowman, Rick Newsom, 
Dale Earnhardt, one of the first of the top contenders to go out this afternoon with an engine problem again. And Earnhardt and Richard Childress Wrangler team have really had their share of engine failures in the last six or eight weeks. But Richard told us here this weekend, if time and effort will get it cured, they're putting in about 18 hours a day in that engine department, hoping to get it turned around. Also, Ronnie Thomas has called it a day in the 41 car. Those are some of the cars that are out of the race. And Joe Rutman of that list. He had hoped to have a high finish here for his Folgers team. Car sponsor T.G. Shepard is here as well. Phil Palillo, one of the local drivers, also is in the garage area. They're giving it a, vein, a good effort on Dave Marcus. They're trying to push in the length of pit road, but Ned, they're making, well, they're making the wrong turn. Yes, they are. They're moving into the garage area. Mike Joy Dave is uh, sitting in there steering the car, but without his uh, helmet and the other safety equipment hooked up. We'll go down and see if we can get a word with him and see if he's out absolutely. Today's broadcast of the Van Scoy Diamond Mine 500 is brought to you under exclusive rights. Granted by the Pocono International Raceway to Motor Racing Network solely for the private, non-commercial use of our listening audience. Any publication, reproduction of other use of the description and accounts of this race without the express written consent of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network is prohibited. 35 laps to go, and it really is still anybody's ball game here. Bodine is the leader and has been ever since he and Bill Elliott swapped that first position around at the halfway point for $10,000. But Elliott, he has shown bursts of speed to close on Bodine. Then he drift back a bit. Right now it still sits at around seven, seven and a half seconds. Dick Brooks, who is here in the tower with us this afternoon doing some color commentary for the Motor Racing Network. And Dick, we talked about Harry Gant and Darrell Waltrip and Cale Yarbrough. They have not been that close to the front two this afternoon. We saw some door-to-door -door racing on Bodine and Elliott, and it was obvious that the two cars were pretty well equal. But the stopwatches that we have put on here this afternoon also indicate that Kale, along with Gant and Walter, for getting around here, they're not that far off, maybe a tenth or so, depending on traffic and whatever. If they can get up there, they definitely have a shot to win. Not being any caution flags, uh, the cars, you know, they weren't really, really adjusted or they weren't dialed in quite as well as, uh, as two or three of the lead cars. So the two or three lead cars ran away and uh, got out, got theirself uh, a good lead, and there hasn't been any caution flags at all uh, for, uh, uh, you know, for the other cars to catch up. Now, when the other cars came in and, uh, and made their chassis adjustments so they could catch up, that made their stops just a little bit longer, and that even put them further back. Right now, they're all running the same speed. If a caution come out now, it would be a pretty good toss-up of, uh, of who would do what. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things when you got a race like this where you run all day and you don't have a caution flag, uh, generally, things are going to get pretty well strung out. Is that a good deal for a driver, or would a driver, obviously, I guess they would like to see a caution or two at times if it's a, if it's a minor deal as far as that goes? Well, a caution here would uh, uh, doesn't make a whole lot of difference to the driver as far as the physical part of it. This is not a very physical, demanding racetrack. It, uh, you kind of hold your breath when you go through turn two and you go over that bump. But going into turn one, you'll tighten up a little bit. But going down the front straight away, you know, you listen to the radio, tap your foot, turn the stereo up, you know, eat a sandwich. You know, whatever. So uh, it's not that bad of a racetrack, but uh, caution right now would sure tighten up the race, and I'm certain there's a bunch of guys in the back would like to have one. Ned Jarrett is standing by in the garage with the driver who's just fallen by the wayside. Dave Marcus was running awfully good here today, and then that, uh, what did happen out there, Dave? Well, Ned, I guess the ball joint broke, uh, the lower ball joint on the right front coming off of turn two, so I guess we're pretty fortunate, really, not to turn the wall down or something like that. But you were not able to repair it so you could get back in? Well, Ned, I got another joint in there, but the uh, nut on the bottom of the idle arm, which holds the steering cross shaft, is ground completely off, and I do not have another uh, cross shaft with me to uh, replace it. Well, we're sorry to see you out. You were having a good run out there. Well, the car was running real good and steady, and really that was our deal today. We want to finish the race. We've been finishing them lately, and we just 
really wanted to finish bad here today, but, you know, I guess it's my fault. It's one of them things that they give us ball joints, and I just really, I guess, don't have enough time to do everything that needs to be done to the race car. Okay, better luck next time. Thank you. Marcus has one full-time employee at his shop down in Avery's Creek, North Carolina. He's a native of Wausau, Wisconsin, and that's what happens when you're imperiled by having to race on a limited budget. 7.8 seconds, Jeff Bodine back to Bill Elliott here at Pocono International Raceway. 32 laps to go. This is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. 169 laps are complete, 31 to go here at Pocono in the Vanskoy Diamond Mine 500. Feel pretty well strung out around here with still one more round of pit stops to go. Cale Yarborough has slowed considerably on the racetrack. The speculation from some of the observers around that he might have lost his cylinder. For a report on that, let's go to Eli Gold. Well, he just came by us, and he was obviously off the pace. The car didn't sound all that unhealthy, but it wasn't nearly as up to full song as the others are. So Cale continues to circulate. The cars were going by him at the time. He made no attempt to come onto pit road that time, and that I guess if there is a problem and something they can live with for a while, they'll, they're like every other team, they'll stay out there and hope that caution comes out that we've been looking for all day and have yet to see here at Pocono. Well, he'll stay out there and run as long as he possibly can, uh, Barney. I see his uh, car owner. Harry, is there a problem with Kale's car? He seemed to slow down a little bit. Ned, I can't hear you very well, but I think you asked me about the car, and it looks like we maybe dropped a valve or something. Okay, that was the speculation that we uh, had to heard out there. It's Harry Rainier, one of the car owners on K.O. Yarborough's Hardy's Ford. Ricky Rudd is making his final pit stop, or what should be his final pit stop of the day, and the Motorcraft Ford of Bud Moore as they go to work on his machine, they'll change right side rubber on it. Let's go back to Ned. And this is a regular pit stop for them, Barney. They've been coming in a little bit earlier than everybody else. Now, they have not been able to run 100 miles on the tank of fuel. He already has that service and he's gone. So he's going to have to make, and that is his sixth pit stop, or fifth pit stop of the day. So most everybody else is going to have to do the same thing. That was a quick one for Bud Moore and his team. They got Ricky in and out in about 13 and a half seconds and changing those tires to put him back on the racetrack. And these stops will become very critical, particularly if they come under green. Jeff Bodine across the start-finish stripe, 171 laps complete, 29 to go, and it has been all Bodine today. But for the early part of this race, the Bill Elliott led, and Darrell Waltrips also picked up five Winston Cup bonus points for leading a couple of laps here. It's exactly eight seconds from first back to second spot. Depending on where the traffic's been on the racetrack, it's kind of vacillated between seven and a half and nine seconds. Bodine's lead over Bill Elliott. I've been clocking almost every lap for the last uh, ten laps, and... Uh... I don't know. I, you know, I was calling earlier that Elliot <clears throat> was probably just maybe sitting and waiting a little bit. He's not doing it. Bodine's picking him up a little bit. He's getting him about a tenth a lap, and uh, for the last five or six laps, it's been pretty consistent to that, no matter whether they were in traffic or not. So uh, Bodine right now has got him handled. Well, of course, they'll each get one more pit stop and one more set of tires, and that's apt to change the handling on both those cars. We'll see. 26 laps to go here at Pocono International Raceway. Leader, here's on pit road is Tim Richmond making his final stop of the day. The leader is still Jeff Bodine, and the speculation is mounting on pit road. Can Bill Elliott pull it out here this afternoon, or anybody else for that matter, the way Bodine has been getting around this racetrack? Harry Gantt still very much in the thick of things, along with Darrell Waltrip. Cale Yarborough was a contender here up until a few moments ago, and now he is off the pace. Ned, I think you finally tracked down the story on that. Yes, we've talked with uh, Waddell Wilson. Let's get a word from him as uh, Lenny Pond makes a pit stop. Tim Richmond goes back out. Waddell, do you know exactly what the problem is that's causing the slow? Well, Kale said he's running on about six or seven cylinders. I figure we dropped a valve or broke a rocker arm or something like that in the valve train. 
So we're going ahead and try to finish the race. Well, this has to be frustrating. You've had such Net trouble down the front straightaway. One car looks like it might have lost an engine. That's Steve Gray, the Henley Gray automobile. A lot of smoke. Harold Kinder, the starter, taking a look at it as he goes down the front straightaway, and that car is well down to the inside. Looks like we may not get a caution flag for this one. He is going on down into turn one. A lot of smoke out of the car. He's down to the apron of the track, and caution is indeed coming out of the speedway. First one today at lap 175, and this is going to be a break for an awful lot of drivers. Well, he stayed up in the groove a little bit. I think uh, he could have got off the racetrack, but either way, he wouldn't have made it back anyway. Somebody's going to have to go shove him back around the racetrack, so uh, going to make a lot of change, and I'll tell you, it's going to. now we'll see who does what with what, I guess. The front four have not made their pit stops uh, under green, and that's Bodine, Elliott, Gant and Waltrip. They're the only four cars on the lead lap, and they'll be making pit stops here in a moment. From Pocono International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Back at Pocono, and the pits are a beehive of activity. Let's go to Ned Jarrett. And the leaders uh, have just been in. Darrell Waltrip is the last one to go out. Bodine and Bill Elliott both took on right side tires. Ricky Rudd had made a pit stop under the green not long ago. He's back in making... Another stop for left side tires, so he's going to have the freshest tires on. He and those that make those pit stops under the green. Here's Benny Parsons coming in the Copenhagen Chevrolet. But as Dick Brooks says, it's a whole new ball game now with uh, the caution. It's got to bunch them back up together, so depend on who has her dialed in just right. And some of the cars that we speculated that might have a shot to win here this afternoon that had not been able to track down the two front runners are now going to be right in the thick of things, and we'll find out who's equal and who isn't. Well, I think it's very true. I think that uh, I was clocking three or four of the cars. Well, there's only three or four cars on the same lap, but the other two cars were both running the same speed as the leaders were. So, I think that uh, you know they've got their dial, they got the chassis dialed in. They, they've uh, everybody's got equal on tires now. Uh, maybe a whole different race. One of the safety trucks is on the speedway, putting down the speedy drive from just short of the start-finish line all the way down into turn number one, where Steve Gray apparently has spewed an engine here to bring out the first caution flag of the day. Barney, let's check in with Harry Hyde, uh, the crew chief on the Jeff Bodine Levi Garrett car. He's talking to Jeff on the radio here. I know, Harry, this is a caution flag you perhaps didn't want, even though you had another pit stop coming up. Uh, that's for sure, Ned. Uh, but we've had a good run today, and uh, Jeff feels real good, and uh, the temperatures on the car look real good. Uh, that Exxon oil is running real cool, and uh, I've been chewing at Levi Garrett all day, and uh, I feel real good, uh, even though we got a caution when we didn't need one. I tell you, Barney, I guess you put that combination together. I guess it's got to work. I'm surprised he can fail. I'm surprised he didn't tell us about his Northwestern Security Life Insurance Policy. Oh, well. The speedy yeah. drive truck continues to work off down toward turn number one there. And Bodine, of course, the leader. Uh, Bill Elliott, Darrell Walter, Harry Gant all made pit stops there on the caution. So, too, this time around did Cale Yarborough. Cale is still on pit road. The hood has been up on that Hardy's Ford of... Waddell Wilson and the team taking a look there. They seem to be in no big hurry to get Kale back out there. In fact, they're pushing the car back up pit road, and he may call it a day and may not finish this race at all. Might be sitting in the garage when it's all over. Well, I hope Ned will get a word with him, and Kale's had a chance to race against some of these fellows today. Maybe he'll have an opinion of who's the strongest of those that are left. Tim Richmond may not be headed back for the racetrack either. The hood's up on the Raymond Beetle owned to Old Milwaukee Pontiac. Harold Elliott, Barry Dodson, and the crew trying to work underneath and get Richmond's problem sort it out and get him back on the speedway. Richmond just sitting behind the wheel, watching, waiting, not much he can do until they get that hood back down. Let's remind you that Tuesday night, Sam Ard and Charlie Luck from the Bush Lake Model Sportsman Series will be Eli Gold's guest on NASCAR Live at 7 p.m. Eastern on many of these stations. And next Sunday, 
We'll be at Michigan International Speedway to bring you all the action of the Miller 400 here on Motor Racing Network. It's a two-day show with all the Bush Pole qualifying and practice on Saturday, and the Miller 400 on Sunday will be on the air at 12.45 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time from Brooklyn, Michigan. Six days later, next, uh, Saturday, week from Saturday night, we'll be at Indianapolis Raceway Park for the Kroger NASCAR 200 Bush Sportsman Series race. Then the 4th of July, the Pepsi Firecracker 400 from Daytona on Motor Racing Network. Then we're back here at Pocono July 21st and Talladega July the 28th. Well, just when it looks like everything is going to be settled at a Winston Cup race, the situation always seems to come along to change everything. The caution was the key here this afternoon as Steve Gray erupted an engine here in the front straightaway and has put four cars right on top of each other to go for the win here this afternoon. Uh, they, they brought the uh, 12 car uh, in for just, and he just pulled in, stopped. They said hi, give him a drink of water, did something to him, I don't know, and just uh, let him go on down the road. Well, he's got to catch the tail end of the field because they're about to go back to green. Let's go to Ned Jarrett. Kale Yarbrough has crawled out of the hardest forward. Uh, Kale, you were running on about six or seven cylinders. Did it just quit? Well, it, uh, we lost the cylinder early on, uh, Ned, and uh, we made a pit stop and looked under the hood, you know, just to, when the caution came out. We hadn't been able to look uh, before that, and uh, it was throwing a lot of oil out, so we knew it, it was going to blow in a few laps anyway, so we just parked it. This is the first caution today. They're bunched up a little bit. You ran with all of them out there. Who do you think looks the strongest at this point? Well, it looks like the five car is pretty strong to me, and uh, he looks like he's handling real good, but uh, anything could happen. Okay, sorry to see you at it. Thank you. Now, Neil Bonnet made that real brief pit stop and got back on the racetrack. Tim Richmond has made two pit stops. Those two drivers, along with Benny Parsons, were all fighting for sixth spot one lap down. So the field is set to run for the roses here, as they say, this afternoon. There'll be 20 laps to go as they put them under green. When they come back around, they're just crossing the tunnel turn, bunching up very tightly in front of Mark Garrell. Jeff Bodai now pulls away just a little bit from Bill Elliott as he wiggles his car back and forth, trying to build up a little bit of heat in those tires and maybe scrape off any debris or excess rubber he might have picked up on those slow laps. Bodine is behind, uh, Bill Elliott behind him, along with Harry Gant and Darrell Waltrip. Field working up to turn number three. Pontiac pace car pulling far away from the field now as they approach the turn at about 70 miles an hour. Here comes Jeff Bodine. He'll be sitting side by side with Phil Parsons, who's a lap down. Elliott, Gannon, Walter right there, ready for the green. They're halfway through turn three. Four cars are going to run for it here this afternoon. The win in the Vanskoy Diamond Mine 500. Jeff Bodine is the man they'll be chasing. Elliott rides second. Gant is third. And Darrell Waltrip is fourth. And they're going to be all bunched together and have a chance to get at it as Harold Kinder waves the green flag about a quarter of a mile away. And Bodine gets through that gearbox quickly. Pulls away from Elliott by about six or seven car lengths as they sweep down into turn one. A big old cloud is kicked up as the cars go through the speedy drive that was put down after the Steve Gray engine expiration. It's Bodine with a car lane on Bill Elliott. Two car lanes back are Harry Gant and Darrell Waltrip. Midway between turn one, Rusty Wallace and Bobby Hillen get together. They straighten it out, and the leader is Bodine off the number one corner. Lead cars come hustling up out of turn number two. It is Jeff Bodine on the point. Bill Elliott continues to haunt his back bumper as they work now down to the inside of turn number two. Harry Gant just a car length away from the second spot. Darrell Walters closes in on the back bumper of Harry Gant's car. They touch all four cars, actually touch bumpers as they exit in turn two. We've got smoke from one of the cars getting loose. They slake down the track. Here's Elliott swings to the outside. Bodine goes down to the inside, and Jeffrey will lead him into turn three. Elliott goes a little wide. Nose to tail with Gant and Walter. From that bumping in turn one, there's a piece of metal debris on the racetrack. They'll run back to the caution flag. Bodine comes to the caution flag, but Elliott, Gant, and Waltrip go to pit road. They're going to go down and get another set of tires. You know, they can do it now. 
they uh, that'll give them four fresh tires, going to put them back out in front of Bodine. So uh, I'm sure he'll come in the next lap and get him some tires. But now all those cars got four fresh tires on them. And Bodine's going to have to make his way back up through the traffic. Well, all of a sudden, everything is happening here at Pocono. There'll be 19 laps to go in just a couple of minutes when we come back. 182 laps are complete. There'll be 18 to go. Now, three of the top four cars went on to pit road and changed left side tires. They had changed the rights just a moment ago on that first caution flag of the day. Jeff Bodine did not make a pit stop. Let's go to Ned Jarrett. Well, Harry Hyde is talking to Jeff on the radio right now and now talking with Kathy Bodine, his wife. They've been looking over the, the scorecard situation here, and that's what Kathy does in the pits during the Winston Cup race. Harry, you chose not to bring him in, uh, and the others did stop. Why? I don't, Ned, it might, you know, it's a gamble right now. That's all I can tell you because uh, our left sides are working real good, and uh, we've noticed before when we put left sides on, it took about 10 or 12 laps for them to come in. And it also takes that long for the right sides to come in. And uh, right now, with about uh, 17 laps to go, we think we're ahead of the game. And it's a gamble right now, and I think they played their card, and we'll play ours. We'll see how it comes out. Okay, it's an interesting piece of strategy here. And when he says the tires come in, that means that where they start working their best. And he says it takes the left side tires about 10 to 12 laps to start working their best, and with only uh, 17 laps to go. Maybe it is a good gamble. Well, it could be. We'll find out. 183 laps are on the board. There'll be 17 to go. And, Dick, you've had the same situation happen. You can probably fill us in a little bit more on what new tires do for a race car. Well, I haven't had exactly the same situation. I've been in this situation before, but I didn't have the new tires to put on. So so a little bit different situation. But I can't believe that, uh, that the new tires wouldn't be better. His left side tires has 100 miles on them. That's a long time. And the tires are only good for, well, they've been running 200 miles on them, so, so they're half wore out. Uh, uh, of course, they're sitting down there. They're the ones that's clocking them. They're the ones that's got the time. You know, they got the clock. They know what the, what happened the last time they did it. Uh, maybe they got the. Just like you said, it's a gamble. I'd rather gamble on four new ones. I think. Let's give a vote of the Timex Timeliest Move Award to the fellows down in the press box, the media that covers this race. They vote on the Goodies Headache Award, and today they gave it to a fellow who not only truly deserves it but can use the money, and that's Dave Marcus. He'll get $500 and a sample of Goody's headache powders. Now, that won't make up for not enough ball joints and steering arms in the truck, but it'll help him get on his way to Michigan and hopefully to good finish in the Miller 400. So the Goody's headache award today to Dave Marcus. We're set to go racing here at Pocono International Raceway. 183 are on the board. They'll put them back under green on lap 184 as they cross the start-finish line. It'll give them 16 laps to go. Four cars very much in contention to win this thing this afternoon. The gamble on Jeff Bodine's car. They did not change the left-side tires. Harry Gant did. He has four new tires all the way around. So does Darrell Waltrip, and so does Bill Elliott. As they put him under green out of turn number four, they come up through that gearbox in a hurry, and as he has done all day long, Jeff Bonine wastes no time in getting away from everyone, but Harry Gannon, he pulls him by a couple of car lengths as they sweep back into turn one. That's like a volcano of sound as they head towards us here at the head end of this front straightaway into the number one corner. Bodine and Gant whistling by. They've got three car lengths on Bill Elliott. And Bill Elliott, in turn, has a whole bunch of real estate on Darrell Waltrip. He's caught up in traffic. Darrell can't get free, but Elliott's on the prowl. He wants second. Top three cars come exploding out of turn number two and hustle down this back straightaway. The long pond straight at better than 170 miles per hour. Bodine, Gant, Elliott, Chuck knows the tail. Bumper to bumper, down to the bottom of turn two. Waltrip is in big trouble. He's 10 car lengths back. Here comes Bodine leading the way as they come down the back short shoot. And Gant's looking the inside. Trouble off turn two. Cars all over the place. They've got two or three cars spinning and sliding. One of them is Bobby Hill and another one to the infield as the field comes by. 
That's Lenny Pond, Kyle Petty, and Bobby Hillen Jr. in that scuffle coming out of turn number two here at the Pocono International Raceway. Pond's car comes to a stop on the infield grass while Bobby Hillen's car comes to rest against the retaining wall, pointing in the opposite direction than he was going when he started into that turn. And, of course, the yellow flag is out on the speedway. Harry Gant grabbed the lead coming across the start-finish line. As they came down, it will be Gant in front under this caution. And, Barney, that will prompt them to bring Jeff Bodine in. Harry Hyde is already out on pit road with the pit board, so I think that we'll see him come in the next time. And they'll say, well, I believe those left side tires might have worked a little bit better. We better got the opportunity. We better put them on. Kyle Petty has pulled away from the scene in turn number two and comes around to the start-finish line to take the caution. For a recap, let's go back to Mark Garrow. Well, those three cars were battling in the battle in the back of the pack. Kyle Petty was on the outside behind the two cars of Lenny Pond and Bobby Hillen going into that turn. Those cars came into contact, and then it was Hillen to the outside. Lenny Pond spinning across the infield apron. Kyle Petty... Heavy on the binders, was able to really get through that without much incidents. He did get a little bumping and banging in there, but otherwise was able to get the 7-Eleven Ford through there with much less damage than that is to Bobby Hillen's injured uh, Chevrolet that is still sitting up against the retaining wall. Now, the safety crews have gone out to Hillen's car. Lenny Pond has been able to move away from the accident scene back to pit road. Kyle Petty, as you just mentioned, away under his own power. So the only other car left out there is Bobby Hillen Jr. Ned Jarrett called it right on the money. Here comes Jeff Bodine with a Levi Garrett car out of pit road, and Darrell Waltrip comes in right behind him. Let's go to Ned. Well, I think they'll change right side tires on Darrell Waltrip's car. They were expecting Bill Elliott to come in, but he didn't, and Jeff Bodine is here right in front of us. He's taking on left side tires on the Levi Garrett car, and Waltrip indeed is getting right side tire. Junior Johnson cleaning the windshield off real well so that he can be able to see good. So that's their strategy. Waltrip has his service, and he's gone. He's going to be Jeff Bodine out. Now Bodine has his service, but he'll be in fourth place. Darrell got really, really a bad start off of the off of the third turn that last time, so this is a blessing for him. He he got pushed back and didn't get down into the first turn uh, through all the slow traffic and had to follow two slower cars through there. So uh, I guess I guess this is a blessing for him, and he's going to uh, try to take advantage of it as best he can. So a three-car incident up in turn two brings out the third caution of the day. Lenny Pond involved. He's driving the car Ken Reagan usually drives, along with Bobby Hillen and Kyle Petty. Well, first you couldn't get a caution, and then bang, there's three of them right in a row as one car smokes its way off turn number three back to the pits. That's Bobby Hillen. We'll be right back. Just 13 laps to go here at Pocono in the Vanscoy Diamond Mine 500, and the stage is set for one of the most exciting finishes we've seen here. We've heard all kinds of speculation about who will win this one. They thought Bill Elliott might run away with it you know, earlier today before the race ever started. He was certainly the favorite, but Jeff Bodine has had the strongest car, or appears to have one of the strongest cars. Now Darrell Waltrip and Harry Gant become a factor as they're right up there, have a good shot to win it also. Yeah, I'll tell you who I feel sorry for is all those people about 30 laps ago that saw this race droning around and around and around and left out through the tunnel, and they're headed home listening to it on the radio. But it promises to be a good one. They're up in turn three looking for the restart. Dave? Field getting set to go. Harry Gant will lead them off with Elliott behind them, then Waltrip and Bodine, and they're just about set to come through the gears and head down to the short the straightaway now. Harry Gant is going to have to get a good start here, or they'll jump him down this front straightaway, that's for sure. Here comes Elliott right behind him this time, and Gant gets a good restart. Pulls away by a couple of car lengths. Elliott's trying to get himself in a position to get underneath him as they head for turn one. And this time, Darrell Waltrip and Jeff Bodine in third and fourth trying not to get caught in traffic. It's Gant, the leader. Bill Elliott tucks it right behind him. Then the lapped car of Ricky Rudd, followed by Waltrip and 
and Jeff Bodine. It's tightly tied together off turn number one. Everybody through the corner cleanly. As they swing out of turn number two, Harry Gant takes it from the outside lane down to the middle of the speedway as he tries to break the draft of some of the cars behind him. Can't do it. Right behind him is Bill Elliott, Ricky Rudd, Darrell Walter, Jeff Bodine. They string off into turn number two. Gant will lead them out with Bo Elliott right behind him, and Harry Gant will take it right down the middle of the short shoot. The field shuffling all over the place behind him. Here comes Bodine trying to find a room. He threads his way through one car, two cars, and it'll be Bodine moving into fourth. Gant, your leader. Elliott second. Walter third, then Bodine. Sportsmanlike gesture on Ricky Rudd's part. He's two laps back, so he lets the leaders go and let them have at it. Down the front straightaway, it is Gant. Two car lengths ahead of Bill Elliott. It's four car lengths back to Waltrip. Here goes Bodine to the inside of Waltrip. He's not content with fourth spot, and he pulls alongside the Budweiser Chevrolet at turn one. And as he has done all day long, so strong on the straightaway is Bodine. He's in third. Waltrip back to fourth. Now Gant goes high in turn one. That opens the door for Bill Elliott. Elliott jumps at the opportunity. He's inside of Gant off the corner. They're side by side, halfway down the long pond straightaway. Now Bill Elliott simply overpowers Harry Gant's school bandit Chevrolet. He is the brand new leader. Gant quickly covers the spot. He tucks in behind him. There's Jeff Bodine now pressuring him with Darrell Walters closing in on the leaders. Bodine looking for a way to get into second spot. Your leader is Elliott off turn two and down the short straightaway. Here's Walter coming to the inside, working on Bodine, coming down the backstretch. Into this turn, it'll be Walter taking the spot away from Bodine as they go into three. Bodine back to fourth. Your leader is still Bill Elliott with Harry Gant, Darrell Walter, and Jeff Bodine. They swapped that third spot back and forth the last couple of laps. Here's Elliott bringing him down to the Stripe. They'll put 189 laps on the board as they cross it. Right behind him is Gant, two car lengths back. Waltrip is closing in, and Bodine has lost a lot of ground as they work back to turn one. It's that giant conga line snaking back and forth down the straightaway. Elliott trying to break the draft. It didn't work that time because everybody followed him through. Harry Gant can't get through turn number one on the low side of the racetrack. Here comes Waltrip with a bid for second place. Neither can Darrell Waltrip get down to the bottom of that racetrack in turn two. Couldn't take advantage of Harry Gant slip up to the outside. Again, they snake outside, inside, back to the outside of the wall as they head for turn number two. Elliott, two car lengths out of Harry Gant as he starts to pull away just a bit as they exit turn two. Elliott, your leader, off the turn. He'll cut the straightaway down the middle, snakes out toward the wall. No one can make any move. Jeff Bodine is about four or five car lengths now off the pace behind Walter. The Elliott Express is on the move as he comes off turn number three. Ask Bill Elliott about his favorite passing point and strategy for this racetrack. The tunnel turn is an ideal corner because if you can get under them over there, there's no way they're going to get down below you going into third turn. But you can work a guy if you. If you so this is the fun part about this racetrack. Strategy plays such a part. That's what I like about it. A guy can pass you going in, and you can have him pass back before you get back off the corner if he don't do just right. And you'll see it in the race, and that's what I like about this place. Because if you mess up any little bit, you can get it back. You know, that's the thing about it. Well, he's got it back, Dick Brooks. Yes, he does. He's uh, He's got it pretty well handled now. i tell you, you know, a while ago we were trying to second-guess Harry, and uh, whether he was listening or not, and whether we talked him into doing it or not doing it, I believe he made a mistake. He he had the they had the car a while ago where it was turning perfect through the third turn. Now the car is pushing in the first turn pretty bad. He can't get it turned right in the middle, and uh, coming off the third turn, he's just not getting down a straightaway the way the way he was before. So if they didn't do anything but put the tires on it, then they've got a set of tires that they haven't had all day. And if they put some bite in it to tighten it up a little bit, that was that was the wrong thing to do. Well, if you see the other three cars do it and you have a second chance to do it yourself, it's almost human nature that you're going to say, hey, if it's good for them, it's going to be good for us. It might not pay off here today. 
for Jeff Bodine as he continues to lose ground to the front three. They're back in turn one. The lead trio, Elliott, Gant, and Waltrip. They're closing in on the car of Bobby Hillen that was involved in that accident up in turn two a while ago. Then it's some 13 to 14 car lanes back to Bodine, who has two slower cars with him. Leaders easily get by Bobby Hillen Jr. He gets out of the way by moving to the very bottom of the racetrack. No moving back and forth on the backstretch this time. Straight as an arrow down into turn number two. Bill Elliott, the course mailing forward, continues to lead the way with Harry Gant and Darrell Walter parking at the back door. Walter comes out a little bit wide, looks to the inside, can't get by Harry Gant this time. They're just going to have to set Elliott up. Here's Gant looking to the inside of Elliott. Elliott gets to the turn first. It'll be Bill Elliott, your leader, with Gant and Waltrip, and they still pull away from Jeff Bodine. It'll be seven laps to go as they come to the start-finish stripe this time. Seven laps, and it looks like three cars will decide it here at Pocono. Elliott the leader. Gant is second by a car length. Waltrip is third, and Bodine is two seconds behind them in fourth. For Pocono Raceway, this is MR. Leaders are heading back into turn number one. And it's straight as an arrow down that front stretch into the number one corner. The front twosome. Elliott and Gant having pulled now by some four car lengths away from third place, Darrell Waltrip. Then behind Waltrip, a dozen car lengths or so back to Bodine. Just moments ago, we almost had our fourth caution flag of the race when Bobby Wawak nicked the wall coming out of turn number two. He's able to hustle the car back to the inside of the racetrack. The caution flag, of course, did not come back out. Leaders out of turn two, led by Bill Elliott, a two-car length lead over Harry Gant. Elliott still pulling away from Harry Gant now. Gant trying to reel him in. Jeff Bodine losing ground and the leaders continues to fall back a little bit and so does Darrell Waltrip now. Waltrip's about four car lengths behind Harry Gant as they exit turn three. There'll be five laps to go when they cross the line this time as Bobby Wawak brings his battered car onto pit road. A little sheet metal damage on the right side and crumpled in on the right front. Elliott is the leader. Gant rides second, about two car lengths back, and Waltrip has fallen off the pace a bit. He's at least eight to ten car lengths behind the front twosome. They're back in one. As a matter of fact, entering the corner, Jeff Bodine closing in from the rear flank is closer to Waltrip than Darrell is to the front twosome. Bodine has both Ricky Rudd and Neil Bonnet running with him, but now both Bonnet and Rudd go high in the corner, so Bodine is all alone with no drafting partners. Bill Elliott swings out onto the back straightaway, and we mean swing. He goes from the outside in a big loop all the way to the inside of the racetrack and back out again, trying to shake Harry Gant, but he can't do it. Gant stays within just inches of his back bumper as they exit turn two. Harry Gant's thrown out the hooks and grabbed onto the bumper. Here comes Elliott to the middle of the track, back out to the wall again. Harry Gant just stays in the place where he was because he knows he's going to end up back there and here's Elliott leading off the turn with Gant right on his bumper coming out of the turn Waltrip falling back and so is Bedine. Gant finished second six times last year on one occasion to Bill Elliott this year he's finished second four times again once to Bill Elliott he's trying to keep that from happening again today. Bill Elliott is doing something that's that's creating a lot of trouble for Darrell he's coming through the third turn right on the apron and when he comes off a third turn, he doesn't even start to go to the wall. He stays in the middle of the racetrack. Well, Harry's, Harry is able to stay down there with him. In fact, Harry can actually pick him up a little bit down the front straightaway because of that. But it's, uh, it's driving Walter crazy. He can't stay down there. And he, and he slides up to the wall, and he, they're going to dump him. Front three are heading for turn two. Bill Elliott's lead still just inches from Harry Gant. Darrell Waltrip now starting to close in just a bit. He was losing some ground to the leaders, but it appears he's starting to close the daylight and reel in the back bumper of Harry Gant. Gant comes out right to the wall. They've got lap cars ahead of them. Here's Elliott leading the way. They'll be coming up on J.D. McDuffie very shortly. Elliott, two car lengths on Gant. 
And then two car lengths back to Waltrip, and Bodine is beginning to close in. He looks a little loose in the turn, having some troubles there. Jeff Bodine has made up about a half a second on the front three, but his time is going to be the factor here. Here's Elliott down to the start-finish line. As the lap goes on the board, there are three to go as Bill Elliott and Harry Gann and Darrell Waltrip head back into turn number one. Bodine is reeling in Waltrip. And they still sneak their way through off the number one corner this time with race traffic ahead of them in the persons of Jimmy Means and Bobby Hillen. Still Bill Elliott showing the way. Three car lanes on Gant. Eight more back to Waltrip. Then a dozen or so back to Jeff Bodine. Everybody running by the lonesome. Here come the leaders back up onto the back bumper of the Bobby Hillen Chevrolet. Hillen will move to the inside of the racetrack. The leaders will work on him as they come into turn number two. Bill Elliott starting to creep away now from Harry Gant. The gap two car lanes and growing. Elliott around the Hillen car, down the short chute, and Elliott is leading away. You can see a lot of daylight between Bill's Coors Ford and Harry Gant Chevrolet as they come off the turn, and Elliott is opening up a margin. With two laps to go, Elliott coming through the third turn. Uh, the last lap, Elliott come off, off of the second turn, and uh, Gant trying to hang on to him got way wide, as, as they said over there, and uh, that's busted a draft, and he didn't get a chance to pick him back up down the front straightaway, and Elliott is slowly starting to pick him back up as he's going down the first turn. And into the corner they go. Harry Gant down by some four to five car lanes. Darrell Waltrip for the moment would not be a factor. He's still about eight car lanes back. Midway through turn number one. Elliott and Gant both getting good jumps off the corner. Quickly to the outside retaining wall. Five car lanes difference. Nothing but wide open racetrack for the leaders. There's Start not a the lap car turn. in sight. Rusty Wallace explodes. Car number two. The Alugard Pontiac going into turn number one. He is up and then back down off the banking as he takes it off the corner. But he's out of everybody's way. Off the second turn, here's Bill Elliott leading the way ahead of Harry Gant, whipping the horses in the course four just a little bit. Gant trying to reel him in again, and Gant will have about a six-car length differential as he tries to track down Bill Elliott. Off turn three, back toward the start-finish line as Rusty Wallace has exploded out in turn number one. Here come the leaders to take the white flag from Harold Kinder. It is Elliott on the inside, and... Elliott leads Gant across the start-finish stripe. They're back for turn one. Well, this is the last time by as they go to the lap 200 mark. Elliott with Harry Gant right behind him. Waltrip and Bodine, barring a, ma a misfortune here, will not be factors. The field working its way off the corner. Bill Elliott shows the way. Harry Gant right behind him. That's how they come off the turn. Four car lanes different. Bill Elliott came out of that turn low. Harry Gant with a different line on the high side, and he closes in on Bill Elliott. Both those drivers, you better believe their right foot is being mashed right through the floorboard. Elliott with a two-car length lead as they dive into turn number two for the final time. As they exit, Harry Gant tries to close in. Elliott looking for win number six in the super speedways. He cuts it down the middle in the short shoot. Gant doesn't go with him. Gant still right there. They're going to have to go by the Rusty Wallace car right in the middle of the turn. There's Gant. There's Elliott through it. Elliott leading off the turn. Gant's going to have one more chance, about a quarter of a mile to the start-finish line as he comes out of the corner behind Bill Elliott, tries to make a run for him, will get within three, maybe two car lengths of him, but Elliott will win it. Bill Elliott, who has just set the Winston Cup circuit on fire, wins the Vanscoy Diamond Mine 500 here this afternoon as this race has finished under caution. It came out as the leaders went down into turn number one. They can race back to the line and that's exactly what they did but Elliott will pick up his sixth super speedway win in 1985 well it's getting to be a familiar story it is Bill Elliott going to victory lane for the sixth time this year it is Harry Gant taking home second place money for the fifth time this year Darrell Waltrip is third Jeff Bodine is fourth fifth is Neil Bonnet and sixth is Benny Parsons we'll go to victory lane in a moment I'll tell you though you know you can talk about Bill Elliott taking home five uh, super speedway victories 
he didn't take this one home in a bucket. He uh, he took it home because he won it. And uh, they can talk about cars being equal or not equal or whatever. Uh, that car did not show that it was going to win the race until the number five car had a little bit of a problem. True, and give a call to Jeff Bodine and Harry Hyde until the caution flags at the, uh, punctuated the end of the race. That was the car to beat here this afternoon. We'll be going to Victory Lane shortly at Pocono International Raceway. This is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Today continues on the Motor Racing Network. Bill Elliott has won the Vanscoy Diamond Mine 500. Harry Gant will finish second for the fifth time in 1985. Darrell Waltrip comes home third. Jeff Bodine was fourth. And apparently Neil Bonnet will finish in fifth unofficially. And Benny Parsons posted his sixth. And we'll take you a little further back in the field a little bit later. And he is heading to victory lane here in just a couple of moments. But it was a good run for him this afternoon, that's for sure. He has been the hottest thing on the Winston Cup Tour this year. And Dick Brooks did make a very good, valid point here just a moment ago when he said that Elliott certainly did not dominate this race. He struggled just as hard as everybody else did here today. Uh, the mistake might have been made on pit road in the five car. You pointed that out also, Dick, that they elected not to change tires at first. And then they came in and did it. And sometimes... The gamble will pay off. Sometimes it won't. Well, I don't know for sure. If they didn't put any weight or anything in the car, you can't say that was a mistake, really. Just They just got a set of tires that didn't work like the tires they had earlier. And and, uh, and maybe Harry was right when he said it took 12 to 15 laps for the tires to start coming in on their car. And uh, and then, uh, you know, he, he gets a little second thoughts. Everybody else has changed tires. He's got a little time to think about it, decides that he's going to go ahead and change, and, uh, and maybe it wasn't the best move. But, uh, you know, they had a good day. Uh, the Levi Garrett team has been finishing races, but they haven't, they haven't been running real, real consistent over the year. They've been running well and finishing well, but not like they ran today. So I think that, uh, uh, you know, they're to be commended for that. And they had a good, fine run today. I think everybody should be happy with it. Well, they're going to win some races before the year's out. There's no question about that. Finishing seventh unofficially should have been Ricky Rudd, the eighth spot, probably going to Buddy Baker. We'll try to validate this before we leave the air. Ninth would have been Bobby Allison and tenth to Tim Richmond. Let's go to Victory Lane and Ned Jarrett. Well, Bill Elliott has crawled out of that Coors Ford, another happy man, a sixth win of 1985. Bill, just, boy, you're rolling right along. I'll tell you what, Ned, I, when half the race, I figured that, you know, that was it because Bodine was running so strong, there wasn't any cautions. And when I cut that tire down, well, I figured this was it because I couldn't run with him anyway. When I tried to to beat him when, to the flag on the halfway lap, I couldn't do it because I got all sideways up there and I just couldn't beat him back. So the caution flag was really a blessing for you? It was for me because it let us catch up. And then whenever we came in, we didn't have anything to lose. Uh, Gant, I, and, and Daryl, and then he stayed out, and it was just a bad move on their part. Well, Bill, it, it looked like the car did work well for you all day long, though. It worked pretty good there until the tire cut out, and, and when Bodine got away, I couldn't run with him. Boy, I'll tell you what, i got to say one thing. He run a good race. Well, he sure did, and it was a whale of a race for the fans there at the end. Our congratulations. I guarantee you that. Bill Elliott winning another one here at Pocono. It's his first win at this racetrack. I say winning another one, not at this racetrack. That will be his first win at this particular speedway. Let's take a swing around the racetrack right now and vote for the Timex Timeliest Move of the Race Award, $500 to some driver here this afternoon. First for a nomination, let's go up to turn one at Eli Gold. Well, for the Timeliest Move of the Race, let me first thank the guys from the uh, safety crew here who are giving us a ride back in from the turn. And I think they're presenting themselves when they did was rather timely. 
an honorable mention to that four-tire change for Ernie Elliott earlier in the day. You know, at that point, when he came in to change four tires and chased everybody down, that was timely at that particular point of the race. But I will accede to the description of both uh, Dave Sutherland and Mark Garrow, the way Kyle Petty, evidently uh, at the other end of the racetrack, drove through those spinning cars there with just a few laps remaining. It sounded rather timely from the description. I'll nominate Kyle Petty. Mark Garrow in turn two. Even though I had a bird's eye view of that Kyle Petty incident with Bobby Hillen and Lenny Pond, I want to give him a, ver a very good uh, honorable mention, but I, my vote has to go to Jeff Bodine. He made many timely moves throughout the race, and going back to the beginning of the event in traffic, he was just very uh, phenomenal, very aggressive, very timely in his moves. He was able to build up a bigger lead over Bill Elliott every time they got into traffic because he just dealt with it just a little bit better than Elliott, and so my vote has to go to Jeff Bodine for those moves early on. We pause 10 seconds on the Motor Racing Network for station identification. Well, one nomination for Kyle Petty and one for Jeff Bodine. Let's go to turn three and Dave Sutherland. Well, first of all, an honorable mention goes to uh, Rusty Wallace, who, with his motor gone, was coasting through turn three when the leaders and the lead pack were coming up to him, wisely pulled his car down on the grass to get out of their way so that they could have as much running room as they needed. But I'd have to say, looking back down the, uh, the Blakesley Boulevard here, the short shoot, that it's clear that... Uh, Kyle Petty did the quickest and trickiest timely move getting through what was a lot of tire smoke and cars just crisscrossing all over the place as two of them spun around in front of him. Uh, my vote goes to Kyle Petty. Dick Brooks? Well, I uh, I certainly feel the same way setting up here and I, you know, I've, I've been down in the car many, many times and you make timely moves. You think that, uh, uh, you know, you say, well, then people have to vote for me because they had to see that, you know, and so I'm sure there's, everybody did that all the way around the racetrack all day long, but, uh, uh, it's difficult, especially in that particular place where those cars were spinning to try to do anything to keep your car under control. And I think Kyle used his head well and uh, maybe a little luck and what have you, but uh, I'm certainly going to vote for Kyle. Mike? I'm going to split my vote, Barney. On one situation, I'm going to vote for Buddy Baker and Bobby Allison. Although neither of those drivers was in the hunt all day for the victory, both of them battled back and forth like they were racing for the lead on every lap, and it's a tribute to both of those veterans. Their competitors, they raced hard all day long, every lap, regardless of where they were running. Sometimes it was for 12th, sometimes it was for 10th, and I think they ended up 8th and 9th. And if anybody had bothered to look that far back in the back, in the pack, they put on a heck of a show all day long. Well, it's a very point very well taken. Let's go to Ned Jarrett in the garage area. Barney, I'm going. I'm trying to chase down Harry Gant and Jeff Bodine here at the moment, but I'm going to cast a vote to Dave Marcus. I'll tell you, when he broke a ball joint, and as he said, kept himself out of the wall. That could have been a lot of trouble for him. He's already gotten the Goodies Headache Award, but I'll tell you, my vote goes to him as well for the timeliest move of the race award for not uh, getting that car into the wall. And if you can hear, still hear me, I'm inside of the Skull truck uh, with uh, Harry Gant as he changes clothes. Well, Harry, another second place here today. Yeah, we was glad to get this one today. Uh, we started off and something seemed to happen to the car. just picked up a dead push, and uh, it was there all day. We jacked the wedge out, changed tire stagger, and it stayed there, and uh, we're just lucky to get second. He just had a little too much there at the end? Well, uh, yeah, I was as fast as I could run. I was staying that close. So I, had, I could be in this little over the tunnel turn two, but not enough. That's the only shot I had of past him. Everywhere else, uh, we just, he was getting through one better than me. I'd push out a little, and I couldn't overtake him there, so I'm glad to get second today. Okay, Barney, so he's uh, he's happy with that second-place finish. Well, second is certainly isn't that bad, as, as his crew chief, 
Travis Carter said if he knew he'd finish second in all of them, they'd settle for that, and that wouldn't be a bad deal. It looks like Kyle Petty is going to end up with the money from Timex here this afternoon. I also would have to go along with Ned Jarrett to drive that car and keep it and get it around here and get back out on the racetrack for Dave Marcus. I'd have to cast a vote there, but it looks like Kyle Petty is going to end up with three votes, and that will do it. So Kyle will get $500 from Timex for the timeliest move of the race. From Pocono International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Today's race punctuated by three caution flags. Average speed 138.974 miles per hour. It took three hours, 35 minutes, and four seconds to run this one. Two car lengths was the difference between Bill Elliott and Harry Gant at the start-finish line. That and a whole lot of dollars between first and second place, as you well know. And Ned Jarrett is tracking down Jeff Bodine, who appeared to have this thing won until the caution flag started popping out with just about 30 laps to go. Well, Mike Joy, you would think that Jeff had won the race. It seems like the complete uh, press contingency has gathered around him. And, Jeff, after leading as much as you did at this race, it must feel tough to finish fourth. It's hard to lose one like that, but in this sport, you better know how to lose because you're going to do it more often than you're going to win. But we, I guess we underestimated how fast uh, Bill Elliott and the other cars were going to get at the end. Our car just didn't run as good as we wanted it to at the end. Uh, the tires didn't match up right. And I had to fight it every lap just to try to keep up. And, and they got good sets of tires where they, they left me. And it's disappointing, but we've got so much good going for this team, Ned, you know, with the sponsors, Levi Garrett, Exxon Motor Oil, and, and Northwestern. And with Rick Hendrick as the owner, that uh, I might go back in the, the truck here and cry a little bit for five or ten minutes, but I'll be over it quick because I'm just uh, too excited and just too happy with the team. And I'll never get down with this team, no matter what happens. And I want to say hi to Matthew and Barry. They're back home, my two boys. Jeff, you, uh, you or I don't know if it was a decision between you and Harry Hyde not to come in that one time and change left side tires like the other. And then, of course, you went one lap and did come back and change. Was that a mistake, coming, coming in and changing? Well, not really. Uh, in previous pit stops, the left side tires didn't really help us a lot. And at the time, the car was running so good, we thought the left sides were okay. And we ran that lap or two, and then the yellow came out again, and, and Gant had passed me. And I should have known, I guess, myself, that the right sides were the problem. But we came in and changed lefts thinking that might be the problem, but it wasn't. Uh, I guess I made a mistake, and, and I should have told Harry to put new rights on. They just didn't, I don't know if they were uh, just the wrong size or, or what. They just didn't work good. Well, go get them next week at Michigan. We're going to try. We'll be back with the order of finish here at Pocono International Raceway in one minute. This is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Back at Pocono International Raceway, it's all over and again. The winner, of course, Bill Elliott here this afternoon, picking up his sixth win in 1985. Elliott the winner, Gant will finish second, Walter Perrins third, Jeff Bodine is fourth, fifth to Neil Bonnet, sixth position to Betty Parsons, seventh is Ricky Rudd, Buddy Baker finishes eighth, ninth position to Bobby Allison, Tim Richmond will finish tenth, Lake Speed will finish eleventh, Bill Parsons twelfth, Rusty Wallace, 13th. Kyle Petty, 14th. Kenny Schrader, 15th. The 16th spot going to Greg Sachs. 17th to Lenny Pond. 18th position to Bobby Hillen. Buddy Arrington will finish 19th. 20th spot to Clark Dwyer. 21st to Mike Potter. 22nd to Jimmy Means. 23rd spot to Bobby Waywack. 24th, Cale Yarborough. And back in 25th position, J.D. McDuffie. Our thanks today to B.J. Locke and Louise Frazier on the scoring loop. Our spotters today, Peter Locke, Jack Canavan, and Bill Sloboda. Our pit runners... Paul and Dave Horvath, Joe Bolil, and our engineers, Bryant Cooper and Nelson Crozier. 
On the broadcast today, thanks to Eli Gold, Mark Garrow, and Dave Sutherland, who covered the turns. Twice Grand National Champion Ned Jarrett on pit road. And Dick Brooks, who really did yeoman duty today, covered the pits, covered the pit tower, ended up here in the broadcast booth. Well, I tell you, I just never were today. I, I had a good time. I, I really, really enjoy doing this. I don't know uh, whether people enjoy hearing it as much as I enjoy doing it, but I enjoy enjoy doing this with you fellas. It's a good bunch to work with, and uh, I'd like to say uh, uh, my daughter graduated last Friday, and she's laid up at the beach and having a good time, I hope, and if she's listening, I'd like to say hi to her. And My wife had to go to work since I quit driving. Somebody had to support business, so she's out working, and, and uh, I'm up here having a good time, so I'd like to say hi to all of them. And, uh, and a little plug, Dick Brooks Honda and Greer's getting ready to have a party next weekend, weekend after next. So just in case anybody's oh. down around Greer, South Carolina. Get we'll out your it. checkbook. <laughs> yeah, I hear it. Barney, unless you got any sponsors that you want to talk about, and I don't either. And We'll remind you that next weekend we'll be at Michigan International Speedway in Brooklyn, Michigan. That'll be the Miller High Life 400 on the ultra-competitive two-mile high-banked oval of Brooklyn, Michigan. Be sure to get out there. I guess grandstand seats are just about gone, but there's a lot of space in the infield, and you might catch a seat outside the gate or something. But get up there and see it if you're anywhere in the Michigan area. Also coming up on MRN will be at Indianapolis Raceway Park Saturday night, June 22nd, for the Kroger NASCAR 200 Sportsman Race. Then 4th of July, Daytona, the Pepsi Firecracker 400, and then it's on with the second half of the season. So join us here on Motor Racing Network for all this great racing action. For Barney Hall, this is Mike Joy and the rest of the MRN team congratulating Bill Elliott on his sixth win of the season in the Van Scoy 500. The Motor Racing Network's coverage of the NASCAR Winston Cup Series from the Pocono International Raceway has been sponsored by Anheuser-Busch, Brewers of Bush Beer, Head for the Mountains of Bush, by STP Corporation. Depend on proven performance, STP, your car care company. By Piedmont Airlines, the up-and-coming airlines. By Skoll, moist, smokeless tobacco. A pinch is all it takes. By Pontiac. At Pontiac, we build excitement. By Wrangler brand, live it to the limit in Wrangler. By Levi Garrett Chewing Tobacco, time after time, the quality comes through. By Timex Watches, the official timekeeper of NASCAR. By Union Oil Company, the winning spirit rides with you every time. And by Ocean's 11 Resorts on beautiful Daytona Beach. The general manager of the Motor Racing Network is John McMullen. Chief Engineer Brian Cooper. Director of Affiliates Mark Garrow. Assistants Bobby Canner and Pat Hensley. This is Rick Lewis asking you to stay tuned to most of these stations for the Miller 400 from the Michigan International Speedway next Sunday at 12.45 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. This broadcast was a presentation of MRN, the Motor Racing Network, a division of International Speedway Corporation. This week's MRN Classic Race has been brought to you by Hercules Tires.